0: and
1: talking to our Hello everyone and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas and I'm here with Aubrey Loveless
2: And I'm Daniel
1: Hey guys, we're an all Hellboy podcast. We're reading all the Hellboy comics, even the non-canon weird stuff like today. <laughs> and we also interact with our listeners every single week. And this week, Matt Strachbein going to tell you all about it. Yay!
3: Hey Matt! (laughs) Well, it's a book club, and here's how it works. First, we made a club. Don't worry, everyone is automatically in this club. Then we started reading Hellboy stuff, which, if you aren't doing that already, does probably have a small effect on your membership status. So, you know, the whole point is to read along. (laughs) There's no membership card or password, but there may be a tattoo, so if you're squeamish about needles, Well, you can fake it with a ballpoint pen and just never wash that part of your body again for the rest of your life. See, we choose a comic book, read the comic book, talk about the comic book, then ask people to hate you damn guys about the comic book. That's a written correspondence. (laughs) Then, on to the next comic book, and who knows where it all ends. Back to you, John, because if not for you, we wouldn't have this club in the first place. You're literally the lobster atop a pile of rampaging zombies, except in this case, you're not the lobster, you're you. And the zombies are the rest of us. In fact, if we all lived in the same neighborhood as kids, you'd be the cool leader type kid that kept getting pissed off when someone didn't feel like hanging out because, well, strength in numbers. And also, fun in numbers. And also, what's friendship without friends? And you can't have enough of those. Right? Right. Back to you, John.
1: Oh my god, that was incredible. Thank you so much, Matt. That was amazing. That was really good to hear him again. It was really good to hear me.
2: Yeah, I miss Matt. Hey, that damn guy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so thank you so much, Matt. And I want to plug his podcast. I think his podcast is back, The Letter Hack Podcast. Make sure to go check that out. You can also find him at The Letter Hack on Twitter and Friends of Strackbine on Instagram. And by the way, go follow all the guys we've been talking about every week. Mike Vignola's epic sketch series that is coming out recently. Yeah.
2: Okay, when he started doing Pokemans, I was oh, yeah. very excited. <laughs> I put a little I was like, oh, everyone was dropping their, you know, right. oh, you should do this one, you should do that one. I put in, I was like, oh, Gengar. Gengar showed up. Awesome. So I was very excited about that. And then um, who else was in there? There was a lot of good ones in there. I was nerding out. I was nerding out over that. Do
4: you guys happen to hear that podcast he was on this week? Uh-uh,
1: no. I did download it to listen to, I just haven't had a chance.
4: But well, I, I did listen to it, and I will say that. When I was listening to it they mentioned that through all these art he's raised. they've raised forty thousand dollars.
1: Oh the yeah. Next
4: day, the next day I saw on Instagram when he's promoting the podcast, that number was already up to a hundred thousand dollars.
1: Yeah, I was just gonna say I it's it's a lot higher by now. I've been checking out all those auctions on eBay. They're going for crazy prices, which is amazing, you know, and which is really good for the organization and for Mignola and everybody involved. So yeah, you gotta check those out. We were actually talking about that last week. Jerry Turnbull said, I believe a collection Jerry of the tra- Turnbull. Yeah, book club, member. Book club member, Yeah, he said, I believe a collection of the charity sketches is in the early stages. Ryan Yule said, oh, nice. I've seen Mike talk about this as well. I think he wants someone else to publish it instead of doing his own sketchbook because that way the publisher can deal with getting the rights to all the different characters he's been drawing that aren't his own. Yeah, I didn't think about that. You would need to get the rights to all these different characters that he's been doing. Like, think about that, Flintstones and friggin'
4: SpongeBob. All the cereal, the cereal mascots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I honestly think that that uh, you know, Frosted Flakes should use that Tony the Tiger as their. Um, <laughs> that would be great. I would totally <laughs> the buy that just for, for like, the box for like a month.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Halloween times, they should do that. Yeah. Drew Campbell said. Drew Campbell, what club member. I'm sure that would take some work, but hopefully if it's for charity, that will make it easier to get permission. Yeah, if you go reach out to these organizations and told them that it was for this charity thing, then they might be more willing. So yeah, that is a good point.
4: I think Marvel should reach out and be all like, hey, I want to use that robot Wolverine for a cover.
1: Yeah, I'd love to see that. I think the Ant-Man one would make a good like variant cover.
4: Oh yeah, I mean, all of them would.
2: still so stuck uh, in the Pokemon. I mean, I, like, Mignola's... Proclivity for drawing weird monsters, and then he draws the most famous <laughs> yeah. of pocket okay. monsters. Oh, did you, did you Super see that? Uh,
4: did you see why he did it? Apparently, his daughter asked him yeah. to do the, yeah, do that, and he's all like, because okay. she's great <laughs>
2: yeah. and amazing and has excellent taste. Have you seen the, uh, what is her name? Ba- the, uh, the the character he's been drawing lately
1: Oh, Zula, Queen oh. of the Bats. Zula,
2: Queen of the Bats. Yeah. I love that. I am so an instant much. fan yeah. of Zula, Queen of the Bats. I'm ready for that book. Yeah. Yes, I became an instant fan of that character and I'm very ready to see where he takes that.
1: Yeah. That was so cool. Is this
2: like a sneak preview? Of I don't what know. He's it's doing? been this
1: has been some of my favorite stuff. Yeah. Well, well, he said that he saw a mask on Instagram. Oh, I see. And he was actually trying to find out who who that was yeah. so he could credit them. Oh, wow. Well uh For, like his
4: inspiration Mark. mark,
2: Rydell, mark i know mark Rydell
4: pointed him to the right person wow
1: oh awesome there you go of course it would be mark that's amazing imagine
2: being that person <laughs> yeah where mike mignola just drew this entire fine art series of this <laughs> because of you
4: because of your mask
1: that's yeah, amazing that's really cool yeah
4: yeah, I mean, it's like you do something that inspires this creator to create all this great art. And, that is so cool, and it's going to be used to raise money for
1: that's really you know, cool yeah. a really good cause. Yes, yeah.
2: absolutely, really good.
1: I want to thank Jiva Artist on Twitter at J E E V A S K J for tagging us in this amazing digital painting of Hellboy that they did. That was really cool. Thanks for sharing us. And now we're going to go on to our listener feedback.
4: Get out. Floppies, get out, hardback copies, digital is fine. Read along time. Get
1: out, trades. We got a hey, you damn guys from Tom Barnett. Tom Barnett. Club member. He said, I started thinning out my comic singles with a few eBay sales, enough to PayPal these beauties. And so he's got the first library edition and the BPRD omnibus. All right.
2: Hey. Yeah, he's uh, like, that's how you do it.
1: He said, I'm gushing. It's beautiful. The best way to see Mignola artwork and Stewart's colors. It's
2: a good trade off. Yeah, yeah it's I a, I it is agree. the best way to look at that oh, stuff. Yeah.
1: And Ryan Yule said,
2: Ryan Yule, Book Club member. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He said, I'm glad my cactus fun fact caused Danielle to go on a misused bird sound in popular culture tangent. That was my intention. Nice. We had some feedback on Weird Tales Shattered. That was the one drawn by Jim Starlin. And there were all those Easter eggs and we couldn't figure out what that sword was from. Oh, right. Yeah. Ruben Strid said, just went back from a deep dive in my old issues of Hellboy have to go back to my first comment I'm pretty sure the sword is from Box Full of Evil you can see the split handle in the hands of the transform wallack actually I also think the castle to the left is the castle of Count Guarino from Box Full of Evil Yeah so thank you for pointing out those awesome details that's totally up my alley to finally know what that sword is from I'm like that was going to kill me if I didn't figure that out so I love that thank you so much Yeah
4: I want to go look at Box Full of Evil again
1: Yeah, I love it. That's one of my favorite stories. You know, people are always talking about, oh, how would you do a Hellboy movie or a Hellboy TV show? I would do this. I would do Box Full of Evil. I think that that could be a great like hour and a half, two hour pilot, or it could be a movie. Just that one story alone. It's like a three issue thing. It's really short. It's just got some characters, but it alludes to him being the uh, you know the destroyer of worlds. It alludes to the the crown and all this stuff but it doesn't have all the heavy you yeah. know it's but another thing i love about that is it's like an essentially it's a hellboy and a buddy cop yes movie yeah that's what yes. it would be
2: and also yeah. you get into you can build on that into the ensemble team later you can do it exactly. gradually. It doesn't yeah. have to be. You don't have to introduce ten thousand fucking characters at once. Yeah, that's the beauty of doing something like that. Oh my
4: god! I just it, anyway, it. we talk about this too much. I know. <laughs> and, and well, and then it also leads to you don't have to start your movie with the ending of a story. Yeah, as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You don't have to do
2: that. Yeah.
1: We had some feedback on Big Top Hellboy. That was the one by John Cassidy. Jason Abaddon said, I wonder if Abe really has a doctorate. And if so, in what? Because whenever he's in that, they call him like the doctor. Or like, don't they say Dr. Sapien? Or do they refer to him as doctor? That's
2: not canon, is it?
1: I, I guess don't not. don't remember. But if he did have a doctorate, what, what would it be in? I mean, uh, anthropology medieval, probably.
4: Medieval literature. Uh, <laughs> I think he's a medieval lit guy. That's pretty good. I like that. <laughs> what would Hellboy have a doctorate in?
2: Kick in Smash some ass. In. Yeah. yeah. Boom.
1: There you go.
4: A doctorate in boom.
1: There you go.
2: We call had him, some... Call him Dr. Boom.
4: Dr. Boom. Dr. Boom. To the OR. Stat. I'm not that kind of doctor. We need a boom in here.
1: <laughs> we had sure. some feedback on Abe Sapien, star of the BPRD. Drew Campbell said a minor clarification, so we talked about... John Arcudi, he wrote that story. And, and I, men- I and I had mentioned that this was around the time that they did BPRD, The Dead. But he said that was actually a little over a year before The Dead had started. Weird Tales was in 2003. Um, and that was before they even started Plague of Frogs. So this is his first work in the verse, But it's not canon. So, But anyway, thank you for drawing that distinction. At Earth Stellium said... I love the Weird Tales. Abe with Little <laughs> Brother Syndrome. Highly relatable, to be honest. And at the Griffin 88 said, I literally can't get enough of Weird Tales. They're the best. So much fun was had doing those, and you can feel that. We had some feedback on 15 Minutes. That was that beautifully painted one by Jill Thompson where the Skeletons were all acting oh, in the movie and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, that
4: was
1: a good one. Mark Tweedell, he wanted to point out that some of the original pages along with the ones from the Beast of Burden crossover with Hellboy, are currently on sale. And these are so amazing, but they're, like, hand-painted. And so I actually went to go check these out. And they're on sale, and they're, like, $900. Wow.
4: Like
1: that. And oh. that's, that's the sale price. But oh, they are well. so amazing. I mean, if I could afford that, I would definitely jump in on one of those because they they're really beautiful. And then especially those pages, we'll get to it with the Hellboy Beast of Burden crossover. We had some feedback on The Dread Within. That was that exorcist story with Liz that we read last week. Charles Winchester said, I love the story, but don't you think Abe would get dried up wearing a hoodie or cloth-based clothes? I don't know. I never really thought about that. I guess in the movie they Ooh. give him like a
2: I think water
1: it, thing Yeah, or I whatever. think in the
2: books it's a little more like he's got a little more leeway with that okay it's not quite they make him more fish than anything else in the movies and i think in the books he's like less yeah you're actually right in the water but he doesn't necessarily have to be in there all the time he sleeps in the tank
1: he wore a sweater for a long time yeah
2: yeah i mean i feel like
1: (laughs) they do not really focus on that Yeah, yeah we don't know how long that is i wonder now wonder if he ever says i've been out of the water i've been out of the water for this long
2: yeah i don't know if that's because there was like a
1: part in the dark and terrible series where he wanted to get back into the water and then when he got back in it was like all salt water or it was real harsh or something i wonder it's one of those
2: things where like iguanas can swim yeah you know what i mean but they don't like have to be in the water or they die let us know what you think about that i mean he does have gills though or like oh okay better this is a better analogy water world (laughs) right no he can be down there for a super long time and he's you know he hasn't adapted all the way like the way that uh okay abe has but i feel like that's kind of an in-between step there
1: what's the water world abe sapien connection here Oh man, and Kevin Costner has guilt. <laughs> Give me an hour.
0: Yeah.
4: No, I'm saying and, i I've never thought about that crossover. Yeah. Well, Abe is supposed to lead us into the future of humanity. Yeah. Holy shit! It make Waterworld now makes some sense. Okay. Wow, that's crazy. Not that it ever had to. I love It's this. amazing. It's a great movie. <laughs> the
2: movie is awesome.
4: If i awesome you mean hilariously
1: dumb, it's, it's super <laughs> yes. good. It is a fantastic
2: movie. We had some (laughs) feedback
1: on "Cool Your Head." That was the Scott Moore story, where Hellboy uh, went hiking in Yosemite National Park, and they talked about brownies. Remember, and we were talking about where does that name come from? Okay, so he said the name brownies comes from the 1870 book "The Brownies" by Juliana Horatia Ewing, with references to household spirits from British folklore called brownies.
2: a Scottish kind of like Gaelic fairies. name for the brownie
1: is Groga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Grugak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So really, it's a pretty cool name.
2: Yes, it is.
1: Yeah. Oh,
2: wow. I, t- I totally forgot. How could I forget that? It's a reference to like, it's like fairies and stuff. Yeah. Brownies, fairies, pixies, that kind of shit. Yeah, wow, I yeah. totally forgot that was a different...
4: I did comment on that because I like, shit, I knew that from Willow.
1: Yeah, they're in Willow Willow. too, the brownies. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Okay, so see, here's the thing is that like, yeah, it's just not a commonly used phrase over here for that. So that's super cool. Yeah, I love that. That's real good. That's awesome. Because they're in the woods doing woodland shit.
1: Yeah, that's why it's a book club.
2: That's why it's a book club. And friendship. Fantastic. Thank you for that.
1: And Jason Abaddon also chimed in with that too. He was like, hey, this is why. And it was pretty much the same. No,
2: that's awesome. Okay, well, I've completely reversed because that's fantastic. Yeah. I like that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> when i posted the weird tales issue six cover that's that frank cho cover ross Ratke said i'm not gonna lie i wish frank cho had drawn a hellboy story to go with the cover mm. his writing tends to be juvenile but the guy is an amazing draftsman and it's a shame his reputation for drawing curvy ladies overshadows his skill at drawing incredible jungles and monsters It's a
2: shame that he insists on drawing cheesecake when he could just be a good storyteller mm. so maybe that's his own fault
1: and he also said his love of slapstick comedy would work well for the early Hellboy.
2: I'm not saying it's wrong to draw busty gals. I'm just saying I would appreciate it if you would just be upfront about it.
4: Okay. Like <laughs> I don't know. Oh, uh, not to open a can. Of, no, it's to... fine. It's just like but you know. I, I think that I think Frank Cho has always been upfront about like he likes drawing busty women and yeah. like he does that all the time.
2: If I'm if I'm reading a superhero story where. Thing. it's the hero's journey but it's with a lady so instead of it being an actual story it's just erotica <laughs> like just say it's erotica but don't call it wonder woman i guess wonder woman started out as erotica so you know what it, it maybe it's fine
0: <laughs> maybe he's
2: being more true to the er- origins of stuff like that than i am
4: hmm. maybe
2: i'm wrong and it's fine i
4: would no no there's no right and wrong i guess uh, it's just like
2: i don't want to see that all the fucking time maybe no it's like you know, right. so I guess it's fine. I mean, I mean, I I, I don't
4: mind Frank Cho. Um, I think he has some, you know, good work, and sure. um, you know, he does a lot of stuff with like ballpoint pen and crosshatching, and he does sure. like a lot of. It's just stuff also like that. very obvious uh, that
2: he's always horny for some reason. <laughs> but yeah, he and he does on the like, okay man. He does
4: he does draw a lot of pinups, yeah, and not comic book related pinups, sure. or stuff like that. But and then he also kind of likes kissing people off who get upset about the stuff he draws and he calls it this whole outrage series but he is nowhere near he's not even in my top 20 no
2: <laughs> for sure
4: right yeah. <laughs> yeah but he's no greg land so they're back. <laughs> they, at yeah. least
1: there you go at
2: least he's not greg land
1: uh, but uh, <laughs> uh nathaniel green to add to the controversy mm. you know nathaniel green said what do we think about these chocolate covered pickles that they're doing now
2: Oh, that sounds oh my bad. Oh, God. Is, are they good? <laughs> sounds bad. I don't know. What I do you think tried about them? Him? I haven't
1: tried them. I haven't... I don't know. Would you try it? Of course I would. Would it be good? I
2: have no idea. Right. Yeah. I haven't tried them. I love chocolate so much, like yeah. more than almost anything. And I love pickles so much. But putting them together, I don't know
1: hmm. about
2: that. I don't know if it would be a pleasant tactile sensation okay. for one thing, like... That's something that's important to me is I don't know if how that would feel. Is it
1: like a hard chocolate shell with yeah, like slimy like pickle inside? Yeah, like the feel is kind of something
2: that I'm also, <laughs> you know, that's important to me. So I don't really know if that's something that I would – because that's – and then the tastes are like – the taste profiles are so different. I don't know if like they would go
1: together. Yeah, I don't know. still be good. But uh. if that's
2: your thing, that's fine. I'm not bashing you for like – I mean that's – you can't control what you like to eat. I'm just saying like I don't know if I would necessarily like it, but I haven't tried it so <laughs> –
4: but would you try one?
2: I guess I would try it, uh, but I don't want to hear any bullshit if I don't like it. That's my whole thing. Yeah. I, I
4: think I would, I would think I would not want to hear any bullshit if I liked it, because I think if, no, you, it's didn't fine like if it, you
2: like it, that's the normal sure, sure, sure. reaction. That's totally fine. <laughs> that's totally fine. You like what you like. Like You can't control the things that you like to eat. That's totally fine. I mean, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Go for it. That's. Let us know. Yeah, yeah if anyone's had the I, chocolate pickles, yeah. let us know.
4: I'd love to hear what your feedback is. I feel like, this could either be the best thing ever or the worst thing ever. Right. <laughs> and I feel like this is the kind of thing that somebody was like really high and all they had was <laughs> like Hershey's chocolate syrup and a jar of pickles oh. in their in their fridge and they're like I'm going to mix these two. Mm, I can't see myself mm. enjoying
2: that personally, but who knows. I think people people are also constantly on the lookout for the next like food fad. Yeah. Yeah. Like you saw how much like the the bacon thing or whatever. I can't even... Oh, yeah. Bacon so, Oh, like 10 yeah. years ago? <laughs> yeah, 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 Well, it's not... It's still... People are still... Bacon beer and stuff like people that. People are still bacon doing soda. it. And they're still, like, you know, all about... It. So that's, that's... I think people are always on the lookout for, like, the next... Right. ...thing that's, yeah. like, going to happen. And I wouldn't be mad if it was pickles.
1: Well, you know... I wouldn't
2: be mad at that.
1: Somebody sent us... I know they have it in San Antonio. So far, we haven't been able to find it here. But the... What's the pickle brand you like? Del Dixie? Del Dixie. They have the the beer now. Okay. Pickle beer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I would, I would drink shit out of that.
2: But I don't think anything can be as good as just a pickle. Like, like <laughs> a crisp, cold pickle. There you go. Sour. Okay. Maybe spicy sometimes.
1: I like the hot pickles. Or like
2: you can put like, you know, if you drink, if you don't, that's totally cool. Uh, If you drink, put some pickle juice with the vodka. Or I like that too. Shot of vodka, then a um, shot of Pickle Juice Chaser. So I like that, stuff too. Stuff like that. I do stuff like that you all know, the time. but I don't think it's necessarily, like, I don't know, but who knows, maybe I would like pickle beer. So, I don't know.
4: Let's try it. But well, I like this beer that um, had, was made with cucumbers, so I think I would definitely like the pickle okay. beer. Okay. Mm. Cool. Um, so, back to the Pickle Club with Pickle Boy and...
1: It's
2: all pickles all the time.
1: Yeah. I'm your host... <laughs> the pickle podcast yeah all right and now we're going to go on to our book club episode for the week this week we're continuing our discussion of hellboy weird tales this is a series that ran from 2003 to 2004 and our first story this week is downtime this is a non-canonical story published in hellboy weird tales issue three story and art by bob fingerman Bob Fingerman is an American comic book writer, artist, born in Queens, New York. He is best known for his comic series, Minimum Wage, which was nominated for an Eisner. Hmm. And he also worked on Ninja Turtles for a year. Oh, okay. I think I remember when he worked on Ninja Turtles because it had like this kind of weird style.
4: Which Ninja Turtle was it? Archie Comics Ninja Turtle. Yes, it
1: or? was the yes that the okay, that, it was that, like the animated Archie Ninja Turtles Adventures or whatever. Yeah, the one that was
4: the one that was based on the cartoon.
1: Exactly, the one that ran way longer than Eastman and Laird's. <laughs> <laughs> I have a bunch of those issues. I think. Yeah, I got a couple. So we open up on Hellboy and he says, "Damn you, damn you, you sick infernal bastard! Have you no pity? Have you no decency?" And Abe and Roger come to Hellboy's aid, and we reveal that it's that damn copy machine. (laughs) So let's talk about this art really quick, because it's almost like a weird, like... Uh, it almost reminded me of like Ren and Stimpy or something like that, but it's not really that. It's more like I don't know, Mad Magazine. It's just
2: super, yeah, it's super cartoony Mad Magazine esque.
1: This depiction of Roger made me laugh though when he, when he comes and he's like, "How can we assist?" I don't know. It's just he's got a he's got a baby face head. Yeah, maybe that's
4: what it is. Maybe it's that big block of wood on his
2: crotch. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was always there, though. Like, that's always. I know, there. but yeah. this
4: just makes it so more prominent. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: yeah. The cartoon style, for sure.
1: Hellboy says the coffee machine keeps jamming and now it's spitting out pictures of a secretary's butt.
2: All right.
1: And Abe calls for an intern. They're a paranormal intern. And they're these two little gremlins. Irving Grimlinski, one <laughs> of them says. And these look very much like um, cartoons like in from Looney Tunes and sure, stuff like yeah, that. Sure, right? yeah, 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 And a lot of it is just Hellboy just getting mad about this He's just real mad, or, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it,
2: gets, it goes on in just excruciating detail.
1: It, it, it does go on <laughs> for a while. Can I go on a slight little rant here?
2: Yeah.
4: Okay. This part of the story annoyed me so fucking much. <laughs> because I was an office assistant in offices for 14 years. And... I always had to take care of the coffee machine. I had to fix the jams. I had to replace the toner. (laughs) And I had to do all that kind of shit. And Hellboy is, this is not Hellboy. This is jerk-ass Hellboy. It's just pissing me off because it reminded me of so many interactions. It never was this angry, but it's always like, replace the toner. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm in the middle of doing real work. Let me stop everything I'm doing and replace the fucking toner because your college-educated master's ass can't figure it out. Actually, that's not true. They could figure it out. They just didn't want to. I would have been perfectly okay had they said, hey, Aubrey, I'm too important to change the tone or change it for me. I'm been like, okay, that's my job. I don't give a shit. But no, this, oh, I couldn't figure it out bullshit or fucking just change it. Or blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Rant over.
2: No, I Pissed think. Cause I, but I, okay. I think that uh, yeah. over here, the guy was kind of on your side because, you know, he says, oh, well, don't you think you were hard on him? And he goes, nah, it builds character. And the other Roger says, no, it builds resentment. So yeah. they kind of, they kind of highlight that a little bit of like,
4: right. You know, oh, no, hey.
2: no, I, I, I am glad that they added that part, mm-hmm. but I
4: just, I had to get that out because it was probably rant time.
2: <laughs> sure. So why is he being such a dick in this story? He's just like, I'm the office dick.
1: He's just so mad about the copier. He's so mad about yeah. It, yeah. He's like, we have to file the reports in triplicate and I can't get this thing to work.
2: Yeah. It's just a lot of unnecessary detail here though, about the, all of this. It's like, where are the jokes? I can't tell.
4: I feel like the jokes are kind of in that whole kind of like like Dilbert office kind of stuff. I know Dilbert was never like this, so there's no jokes. Whole, then. It's just that whole office humor. Right. And- well,
1: there's there, there's a ongoing thing about. It's a laser printer, and no, it's the this kind of printer, and it, it actually doesn't have fluid. It's a powder it's and all this like, kind of okay, stuff. Okay, cool, man. A lot of it is, yeah, it, it's trying to appeal to Triplicate that office. and, yeah, all right.
4: I know exactly what they were talking
1: sure. about. Sure. <laughs> I, <today>. I
2: know <laughs> what they're talking about. I'm just saying that it's so boring no, no, and forever me. taking. <laughs> And then so he goes and he's like, let's go to the break room and yeah. Roger has yeah. money in his butt. It's up his butthole. Right, so, so he has to give him money out of his butthole and it's whoa, constantly whoa, whoa. like, this money is wet from your butthole. Like, okay, we get it. It came out of his butthole.
4: Wait, <laughs> like, wait, 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 wait. We wait. Get it. I didn't assume it came out of a butthole. I just thought it was in his butt but cheeks. Butt cheeks, then butthole? it's in
2: the butt cheeks. It's, it's in the sweaty butt cheeks. Look how sweaty it is from the butt cheek sweat. Right. All right. Moving Wait, on. Hellboy needs no, change for a 20. A yeah. That joke needs Good. to be told one time for it to be funny. It's here it's told like three times in it's a row. It's hammered,
4: hammered in. And Hellboy gets more bumpy as the story goes on.
2: Because <laughs> he's, he's boiling over with rage. It's just like a very exaggerated. Oh, think, yeah. He's getting more. Is,
1: yeah. He's getting more bumpy like as vein, it goes on.
2: The veins and the. It's, I, I don't know. If, I think it's, supposed to, it's meant to convey like how pissed off he is. About right.
1: Everything. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, and so then he can't get the machine to take the money. It's your soggy currency now, Kimo Sabi, Roger says.
2: Okay. <laughs> He's super mad for several pages about yeah. the soda machine. He's mad about it. Keep going. And,
1: and it looks like he punches the soda machine, but he uses the regular hand instead of the right hand of doom. It doesn't do anything. And then so he starts crying and talking about how it took my money and it's not fair. Okay. And it, it's just very cartoony and, like I said, almost like um, Mad Magazine or something like that. I've defeated demons the size of mountains, Hellboy says. I've had nails pounded into my head and fought squiddly, tentacly, slimy monsters and always triumph. But that machine. There, there, it's okay, Abe says. You're just kind of a Luddite is all. Yeah, come on, Roger says. Let's go to the corner deli and get a soda there. My treat. Just give me one second, I gotta do something. And he writes, out of order, on the machine, and then we reveal those gremlins. Oh,
2: it's the gremlins. They have the
1: money and the soda, and he says,
2: stinker? Oh, man. All right.
4: The same thing that Bugs Bunny used to always say.
0: Yeah, like,
2: Fuck yeah you, that's Bunny. the... Gosh, ain't a stinker? <laughs>
0: That's the
2: joke. So
1: yeah, that was a. There's a part in the story. Oh, I forgot my trivia here. There's a part where Roger says "oy gavalt." That's a Yiddish term. I think
2: there. There's another story where they say that uh, later that we're reading.
1: Today. There is. Yeah. It, weirdly enough, there's another story where they say that, um, but it means "oh God, uh oh," or "enough already." And so this is more like. I feel like this story is like. You have to kind of like this kind of art style and this humor which is a yeah, little dated sure. maybe you might say like we had that story Abe sapien star of the BPRD last week can it or not
2: So yeah,
3: probably not who cares <laughs>
2: For, Definitely be my not my answer to all of that um, but I, I, mean, I you have to like it's like you said you you know this has to be your thing it's not my thing that's okay if you like it that's fine Yeah whatever
1: you know there 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 might not my thing there, <laughs> there might have been an age where i would have thought this was funny sure. you know what i mean but like yeah, yeah. oh yeah n- reading sure. it now is just yeah it feels a little dated
2: something for everyone mm-hmm.
4: i don't I'm, i've never liked this kind of storytelling my whole life like i know like anytime i re- encounter a story like this i just i get annoyed to the point of <laughs> anger and i'm just all like why am i so upset this is just a dumb story but that's the kind of reaction this story invokes in me. I didn't like it.
2: Yeah. That's, that's all I'm going to say. All right.
1: Right. <laughs> all right. Let's go on to our next story, which is Friday.
2: Is that a reference to like Girl Friday?
1: Yeah. I should have looked that up. What's the trivia on that?
2: So, Girl Friday, a female helper, especially a junior office worker or a personal assistant to a business executive. But I think it's also meant – so, his his Girl Friday, 1940. Hard-charging New York newspaper editor Walter Burns, Cary Grant, discovers that his ex-wife, investigative reporter Hildy Johnson, uh, Rosalind Russell, has gotten engaged to milk toast insurance agent Bruce Baldwin, Ralph Bellamy, and successfully tries to lure her away from tame domestic life with a story about impending execution of convicted murderers, but Hildy discovers Williams may be innocent and her reporter instincts take over.
1: Okay. So, so it's got like that reporter element in there, too?
2: It's, uh, so a woman who does a lot of different jobs in an office...
1: Okay, nice. Which
2: she's doing.
1: This story was published in Hellboy Weird Tales number six. It was written by Doug Petrie and art by Gene Colan. Doug Petrie is an American screenwriter, director, and producer. He's best known as the writer, director, and co-executive producer on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah.
4: Love he, Buffy.
1: He also co wrote the screenplays for the Fantastic Four film God, no. and Harriet the Spy. More recently, he worked on the Netflix Daredevil and Defenders oh. ne- shows. That yeah. was quite a
2: roller coaster ride. That was like, Oh, it starts mm-hmm. off and, well, like, oh, no. of and then I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah, he's <laughs> done
1: a lot of stuff.
2: <laughs> he sure um, has. Wow.
1: The late Eugene Jules Colan was an American comic book artist best known for his work for Marvel Comics, Mm -hmm. where his signature titles include Daredevil, Howard the Duck, and Tomb of Dracula. He co-created The Falcon, the first African-American superhero in mainstream comics. Hell yeah. Carol Danvers, who would go on to become Miss Marvel and then Captain Marvel, and the supernatural vampire hunter Blade.
2: Yes, awesome. Damn.
1: Huh. Colin was inducted into the will eisner comic book hall of fame in 2005 yeah okay. so i think it's that amazing ass. that they okay. got him to do this story so i
2: guess i gotta say so i'm reading the digitals of this so they're all back to back for me they're all like together here and i'm scrolling through them yeah. so as soon as i turned the page it was like every <laughs> muscle that i didn't know i was tensing just released. i was like oh i breathe a sigh of relief because looking at this art, I was like, oh, wow, different angles. Yeah. And it's nice. Yeah. I immediately was just relieved. Like, oh, I get to I get to look at something pleasant now. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is great.
4: Oh, I totally agree with you, Daniel, because, like, I was reading the digital as well. And I was just like. Ugh. Ah, nice. And I turned the page, and I'm like, I, I just kind of stared at this page for a while. Yeah. I
3: mean,
2: it was good.
4: the The colors, the artwork. She's got an umbrella on her desk for some reason. Uh, oh,
3: yeah.
4: It definitely looks hand-drawn no digital in it at all. I mean, maybe the coloring, but I mean, the coloring looks like colored pencils or watercolored over pencils.
1: Yeah. No, thank you for I mentioning that. this art.
4: Yeah. This the, art great. It's, the
1: colors are by Dave Stewart and it's lettered by oh. Michael Heisler, who we discussed previously. He's done some lettering on some of the other weird tales.
2: But Aubrey, as we, as we all know, Dave Stewart does an amazing job of making stuff look like watercolor when he yeah. wants to. He yeah. does. Yeah. So, yeah,
4: so. I, I should have realized that it's definitely digital then, but I mean it's so beautiful. He's
2: got his own like pa- uh, paintbrushes and textures and stuff that really will totally mimic that kind of. Yeah,
4: but I mean you can definitely see that the, the, these are pencil marks. That oh he yeah, just absolutely colored over for sure. Yeah. Absolutely,
2: yeah. The first thing you notice is this is great to look at. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> the
1: colors really amplify that that colon style of art. You know, uh, yeah. it is kind of yeah. like a throwback style. You know, it's called Friday. And it has, like, this noir feel Mm -hmm. to it, which I really like. I can almost hear, like, that noir music or whatever, you know what I mean? But
2: even the writing, though, like, going back to... This is a great team. This is a great team. A great writer, great artist. Really excited for it. But going back to that, like, I feel like he had a lot of fun with it, maybe. This is me guessing. Obviously, I don't know this person, but it feels like he had fun with it because it seems like he's really going for the hard-boiled detective... But it's Liz, so yes. it's like, I'm driving in my car, just Friday nights, good to get out, just so happens I'm free. Yeah. I show up and it's late, almost too late, and then I do this, <laughs> and it's like very like, you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's it's. I love that shit, I'm such a sucker for it.
4: I just want to point out the way that the, the, the panel layout and design, you got your standard, you know, double, like, you know, huge panel, two panels on the bottom, but it, it's skewed, and it just, it adds to the art, it makes it look really... It makes it pop. Yeah, Yeah. it does.
2: It's fast and loose, which is kind of the style in Uh, general. Yeah, that's true.
4: So we
1: open on the BPRD and Liz answers the phone. She's smoking a cigarette at the same time. I love that. And of course they want Hellboy. She says, maybe I can handle it. Yes, I'm serious. (laughs) What kind of monster? Be there in 10.
2: That's so good. I I, I had to go over that panel several times because what a great opening. So she's doing lots of things at once. She's, she's a girl pretty.
1: And I do want to point out right here where it says Bureau for Paranormal Research and Defense. You see Gene Colan's little autograph nice. there, which I like. Yeah, it's super cute. It is nice. Did the... you mention the ring?
2: Yeah, I was about to. I was okay. about to say that. You read my mind. Yeah, the ring. Oh man,
1: she's got a ring there. I really like there. that. Yeah, I like that detail. Just like last week, I like the cuffs. Yeah, that Jason Pearson drew on Liz's shirt. I like the ring on this. She is one.
2: wearing it on what we. I guess would typically think is the wedding band finger.
4: Oh, okay. It's the
2: left hand, so I don't
4: know. Yeah, it is on the wedding band finger. So she's the um, ring finger.
2: Yeah, and so I like the uh, her dialogue there, but then you've got the little voiceover, which is used kind of like narration of who needs company,
1: right? Like,
2: oh, and it's very like witty, snappy little remarks. No,
1: well, I didn't notice this until right now. I zoomed in on the pan- on the computer right here. I was about to ask you if you saw that.
4: Yeah, it says mate. dot com.
2: Yeah, so she's looking at the at a dating site. Yeah, yeah, but
0: you didn't, I didn't, you
4: didn't that see that? that. It says S W single white male looking, and then it kind of blurs out. Oh, okay. She's perusing a dating site when she gets the call. Yeah, yeah, she's looking at a dating
2: site. I thought that was hilarious because the only reason I caught that is because, like I said, I'm reading the digital, so I immediately like zoomed in on that. Right, I was looking at it. They're establishing her just in this little short story. They're able to establish. So much about her. Yeah, it's very humanizing. Well, you
1: always you always say show us, don't tell us. Yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah, it's very
2: humanizing, and it's very like it's not like I was looking on a dating website and blah 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 blah. It's just this little thing. Yeah. Just show it.
1: Yeah, I like like that. Yeah.
2: So she's got the trench coat on, kidnapping case. Just so happens I'm free. Very like.
1: Yes, I love that. Oh, it's
2: so ridiculous. It's It's ridiculous. I love it.
1: Of course, I always need help with my car trivia here. The car
2: choice, I will just say, would not have been my car choice for Liz. I don't think she would be driving this.
1: Oh, I love it, though. I don't think I love she'd it. be driving oh, it. I, it. I, I think
2: don't would. think she'd be driving this ridiculous. Look at the look at that. It's so ridiculous. I put oh. it out
1: to our social medias. Thank you, everybody who uh, gave me the info. I want to thank at Kate Drawing Stuff, at Sir Jerkface, and at Hayden Orr. Who's one of our regular book club members um, for pointing out that it's a Dodge Viper? Um, Do they so, have those
2: like Lambo doors? Well, see, that's the no, thing
1: is that they uh, don't. One, okay. one of the book club members did say, I think at Sir Jerkface said that it didn't have the gullwing doors. Gullwing
2: uh, doors, that's
1: great. And the Dodge Viper is a sports car that was manufactured by Dodge from 1991 to 2017 after taking a brief hiatus. It was manufactured again from 2010 to 2013, and Lanza Jorgensen, thank you. He said that he found a Mercedes that was made in 2011 with a gull wing based on Mm. the Dodge Viper. Okay. So there is a car that kind of looks like this, and it's got the gull wing on it, but it's made by Mercedes. So thank you for all those details. I love those car details. Thank you. But I, it's uh,
4: definitely not that because that car came out in 2011 and this comic came out in 2003. Of course, 2003. yeah.
1: Well, yeah, so maybe Liz got her custom she got a custom gullwing yeah. Dodge Viper. I also
2: never knew that that type of door was called the gullwing.
1: Yeah, because there's butterfly wings, and yeah. those are the ones that kind of go up yeah, like yeah, yeah. on the side or whatever. But no, it's cool. Like, That'd be it's... like a Lamborghini. Yeah, this yeah. is more like a Delorean.
2: I yeah, I misspoke. It's not like a. Those are not Lambo doors. The Lambo doors, like you said, they go. <laughs>
1: those are butterfly doors. The butterfly. I learned a lot trying to figure this out. and I said, you know, what? I'm just gonna put it on social media and somebody no, else tell really me. No, that's
2: cool. Like, uh, I appreciate the clarification because I, you know, cause that is that is incorrect. They go up like say slide sideways. These yeah. go straight out. Yes. Like a girl's wings. Yeah, very cool, cool, very cool. And so, like, Aubrey, you mentioned that that's the DeLorean. Same design as the DeLorean, not the Lambo. Yeah. Okay, I learned something about cars against my will. So,
4: actually, so, you know, I'm not a cars guy. I don't really care about cars or anything like that. But I was a fan of the Dodge Viper in the 90s. And I kind of was like, man, if I ever get a sports car, I want to get a Dodge Viper. Yeah. So I, okay. I actually knew what this was immediately. Um, oh, I should have just asked you. <laughs> no, I mean, but I'm not a cars guy. Yeah, you. I mean, that's why you don't think to ask me. You know, <laughs> if you just sent me something, that's be like I don't know. It's got wheels, right?
2: <laughs> I feel like I feel like she would be a l- slightly more utilitarian, less sports car. Okay, if you're going with like a sports car. I probably would have gone with, like, an all-black 70s Charger or something okay. like that. I don't
4: know. I think, well, like, maybe um, maybe it was just in the the BPRD parking garage. Sure. And just like, I'm going to take this I'm guy's car this because one. he didn't fill my car up with gas last time. I'm going to drive it around and fill it gas. <laughs> yeah,
1: but I'm super into all this noir storytelling. I love the car. That's great. You know, yeah. you, you, you've got to have a car in this kind of it's thing. It's so I think. flashy, though. Yeah. I don't
2: know. It's got, like, the racing stripe and everything.
1: And this transition, so one of the things that she mentions is pyrokinetics develop certain tastes. She likes cigarettes, but she's not crazy about water.
2: I never see, have we ever, has she ever had an aversion to water?
1: That, that's an interesting or detail. I think that water? that's the writer kind of putting his own little sure. spin on it, which is interesting. Yeah, no, you know I'm not what I mean?
2: I'm just saying like that's an interesting But I, I don't that know yet.
1: that we've ever seen no. that. Right. Uh, uh, now that I think about it, the black flame dropped her in the water. Remember? Okay. And then her cry she lost that thing and then right. she came up out of the water gripping right. it again. So yeah. I don't know. But that wouldn't happen until way later.
2: Right. I uh, Well and then But ahead. I
4: mean that's also she just, you know, got dropped in the water. I mean, if you get dropped in the water, you go back up. I've never thought of Liz as somebody who was didn't care for the water. Right. 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 So this
2: it's an interesting take on it. And like it's a you know, it's not canon, so they can do whatever they want. But right. like that's just an interesting yeah. idea that like he's like, oh, her power is fire. What if she hates water? Right. You know, yeah. like that's that's yeah, okay. kind of that's interesting.
4: That's sure. kind of an easy cliche.
2: I don't know who knows, but and it gives. It, I, I guess it gives the story like some kind of exactly there's something in there
1: because she's kind of nervous because this job is at an aquarium. Right. But I do. I wanted to talk about this transition where it goes into her eye. Yes. Yeah, and there's great. the reflection in there of the aquarium. That is so cool. I love that panel. I think that that's really. That's something you don't see a lot where there's no clear end to her face. It kind of fades yeah. into it. Um, yeah, That's also, just she, really neat.
2: The fa- she runs in there anyway. Oh, yeah. Because that's what you do.
1: That's what heroes yeah. do. That's what heroes do. Because that's what heroes
4: do. Well, I mean, just because you're afraid of something doesn't mean you don't do your job. No. Yeah,
2: I do think she would have put on some more sensible shoes to go out on a job like this. Oh,
1: okay, um, like yeah. wearing strapped yeah, heels. Yeah, I, heels. I totally agree with you there. But she, was, but she was looking for a date.
2: Yeah, maybe in her spare time. But you think she would have well, taken a second to kick those off and put on some, like, I don't know, sneakers, combat boots, But something. she got the
1: call while she was looking for a date, and that's what she was wearing already. She had the car well, gassed up. the shoes <laughs> off. I mean, put on some
2: practical shoes. There's no way. There's no way.
4: Uh,
1: There's
2: no way. She's running out to go do a mission. She puts on... Mission appropriate shoes. This is something I know for a fucking okay, fact. There's okay. no way you're running around in those shoes. There's no way.
1: So when she gets in the museum, there's this creepy monster and it's got this little girl there. Whatever it is, it pretends to be human, she thinks. It wants Hellboy. Ahmed's date tonight. Guess I disappoint. And the monster, this creepy guy, he's got, like, this... He almost reminds me of, like, Scarecrow from Batman. But he's got, like, this we're in a, ooze... we a pointy hat. Yeah. <laughs> sure. He's got, like, this ooze stuff. His fingers start going into ooze. And it kind of gets all over Liz. And then she bursts into flames, yeah. right? To kind of, like, burn it off. That's pretty cool. Yeah.
2: I like the very specific Batman villain cold open that we've got here. Like, it's, it's a super specific villain guy. Yeah. And he's got specific powers, but it, th- there's no... It doesn't take you out of the story. It keeps it moving. The
1: oh, it's not like oh, the goose on me. I guess I need to burn it. Up. He yeah must yeah be, yeah yeah. He must be this kind of such this. and fu-
2: such man. Yeah. And so this the pacing is so good. It keeps. It's not an annoying, tiresome read.
1: Right. Right. Like you always say, it's showing us. It's showing us. everything. It's showing us it's not through not the art. Us. The, the yes. art is doing the storytelling. The art
2: does the storytelling. Yeah. Not that the writer. Isn't doing, because the writer is planning all this out and saying, and then this happens and that happens. I mean, I'm sure they're a team, but I'm, you know. But it's not just No, it's not, yeah.
1: And as Liz gets thrown back, she says, I wish Hellboy was here too. Suddenly, the evil guy gets stabbed through by a harpoon and we see Abe there. All right. He looks pretty awesome. He does. And she says, after things get weird, Abe suggests coffee. It's Friday. Who needs company? Me. And they kind nice. of go off together, right? Love this. And, and is he, like, helping her put on her jacket and stuff like that? Or yeah. Or is, is that what's happening And here? I love it. Yeah. That was like...
2: I love this.
1: It, you know, th- there is always... I, I always rag on how they made the Hellboy Liz romance in the mm, yeah. in the movie, but you know Guillermo del Toro, he just like latched onto one little part. There's a part in almost Colossus where Hellboy's worried about Liz because that's when she's in the hospital and she's lost right. all her powers, and he latched onto that and said, "I think that there's something there." Well, what I always latch onto is at the end of Hollow Earth uh-huh. where they walk off together where he puts his arm around her. She's like, thanks for saving me. And he's like, no problem or yeah. whatever. That's the part that I yeah. always latch on to. And I'm like, I think that there could have been something there. And I feel like this kind of goes along with that. Well, no, Even yeah. when
2: Liz was in the, because Abe is still, he's super fucking concerned about her too.
1: Yeah. No, you're right. So you're, it's. Yeah. Almost more so. More
2: so for sure.
1: Yeah. So, so and anyway. I, we've
2: already been over how Hellboy like. Met her when she was a little kid and was kind of like a father figure thing. And yeah. It was kind of like, so that's, I think yeah. we're all on the same page there as far as that goes. This, the pacing's good. I don't mind anything about this.
4: Yeah, I really like it. I love that. it. I
2: think, and it's, it also, it doesn't lean too heavily on like, oh, he saved her or some shit. They're co workers. That's,
1: that's what I wanted to say. Their you know, partners. When we were talking about yeah. the, her weakness is water or whatever but in this storytelling version it's like well that's why you're a team yeah you know it's almost like the point of the story isn't that oh well no, now they're yeah. gonna get their shape of water on no yeah it's, it's more like <laughs> you need to have a team and you can't go in alone
2: it's all complimentary yeah. kind of a thing and so i feel like it's very um you know at the beginning they're sort of like why are they setting it up that she's afraid of water well this is you know he comes yeah. in and he's well this is my strength i can help here and but I, I do like that it had a beginning, a middle, and a fucking end. Yeah. Like this is, but yeah. then but then also the ending is like, what happens next? So I'm still curious. Mm. You've still got me hooked. So it's something right. that this is, yeah. a, I feel like this is a great use of this format of like, look, you you got a couple pages here. Do whatever you want. This is like a. It's like with the jo- the Cassidy story. Yeah. It's they they hook you and then they leave you kind of wanting a little bit more.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I yeah.
2: enjoy that she's looking for a day, but then she has to go save some people. Abe helps her save some people, and then they have a the day. Yeah, yeah. You know why not? You know why not? Uh, the thing you're looking for might be right under your nose, kind of a thing.
1: <laughs> I like that. And
2: I wonder, like, she reminds me of some kind of actress. I can't remember in the in this.
1: Gene Cullen maybe got some inspiration from some, some one of his favorite movies somewhere
2: i don't know at the in the bottom right corner here just right. the, just the last they're so yeah. small compared to the rest of the page too but i found myself really focusing on those just the expressions and the body language and it's you're telling so much with so little space how did you do that yeah it's really it's uh, impressive it's really something just this couple of inches here yeah tells a whole story that's great it's brilliant. Y'all
4: notice that uh, as Abe is walking up behind Liz, he's got this kind of frown. Then he reaches his hand over and he's and smi- He's kind of smiling, and then the last panel, he's flicking her cigarette away. Yeah. Oh right, he's flicking her cigarette.
1: Out I don't know of if rem- it's a
2: frown. It looks like more of a neutral face, and then he does smile.
1: Yeah, that's super cute. But yeah, cute. he flicks
2: the cigarette. Yeah. That's really cute.
1: All right, canon or not? Canon or not?
2: Um, I don't know Can if the like the. I don't know if she had a pronounced fear of water. Right, that's the only
1: part that could be kind of that's the that's the writer adding his own little flavor. But I do
2: like this a lot. Yeah, so I do. Yeah, yeah. I do think this is.
1: I think you said this last week, but I feel like this could be the cold open to something else. Absolutely, you know what I mean. Like this is the. And then we see the theme song and then they go into the actual episode. It's a great self
2: contained story. Yeah. But it's also something that I wouldn't mind if it was part of a larger story. So it's yeah. I yeah. mean, but with a team like this, what do you expect? It's yeah. great. It's fantastic.
4: I'm always down for more Liz, so but you're right, the whole water thing kind of you know. I feel
2: like the this team really gave a shit about these characters too. Right. Like they they gave yeah. a shit.
4: Uh, I like this story and it'll be in my headcanon until it gets knocked out by (laughs) another story actually comes out in this time frame and replaces it but i mean i like it it was it was cute it was it was nice it was super cute yeah Yeah. and the artwork was great i wish we could see more of him on hellboy yeah Mm, and bprd i
2: wish we could see more of his artwork anywhere at all yeah ever again
4: yeah yeah Yeah. check
1: out some of that classic daredevil stuff that's really good stuff all right for our next story we're going to talk about professional help this is a non-canonical story published in Hellboy Weird Tales issue 8, written and drawn by Evan Dorkin. Evan Dorkin is a, an American comic book artist and cartoonist. He's best known for his comic books Milk and Cheese. Do you know Milk and Cheese? I do not. Oh, you don't? You no. never read that comic? Did, or did you ever read Milk and Cheese, Aubrey? I did not. Oh, okay. It's a wedge of cheese and a carton of milk, Okay. and they get really drunk, and there's violence. That's All usually right. the the extent of those. It's very kind of juvenile kind of comics. <laughs> His comics often poke fun <laughs> at fandom, even while making it clear that Dorkin is a fan himself. Sarah Dyer is the colorist, and she's an American comic book writer and artist with roots in the zine movement of the late 1980s and 1990s. Oh, wow. In 1998, Action Girl was awarded the Lulu of the Year Award. And Dyer also wrote for Space Ghost Coast to Coast, Superman Adventures, and Batman Beyond with Evan Dorkin. They're actually married. And they actually wrote the episode that introduced Livewire.
4: The animated series?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, I
4: think so. Superman Adventures? Yeah, yeah I, I,
1: I, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool.
4: I, I'll admit, when it comes to the DCAU, the Superman show is the one I've watched the least, even though it has really good stuff in it. I mean, the whole thing great, Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, that's no, the I... one I'm the least familiar with. I'm more familiar with Batman and Justice League. And awesome.
1: Yeah, I watched all that stuff. So we open on a psychiatrist's office, and we're introduced to Dr. Ramsey. She tells her patient that he left his last name off the form.
2: First of all, staff <laughs> is checking forms there's no way that a doctor is getting paid $200 an hour, $300 an hour is checking your forms.
1: He says no last name, just Roger. And we've uh, got
2: Guernica, we've, got, we've so, got Picasso here, and we've got uh, Frida here. One of the books says Goya, and we've got. Of course, po. yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of um, literary Plath. references.
2: Virginia Woolf, we got Sylvia Plath.
1: Yeah. Like Danielle said, we see Guernica from 1937. This is Spanish painter Picasso's immediate reaction to the Nazis' devastating casual bombing practice on the town of Guernica during the Spanish Civil War. And we also see The Two Fridas from 1939 and Thinking About Death from 1943 by the Mexican painter Frida Kahlo. And like Danielle said, there's a ton of literary references, including Goya, which has been referenced in the canon verse... <laughs> As Dr. Ramsey and Roger talk, we learn that Roger was referred by Captain Murphy, and his concern is work-related. Depression because of your job. This is Roger after Jaimeo
4: had joined the VPRD. Yes.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, she,
4: okay.
2: So she isn't told much about the organization, whatever, uh, called the BRPD, so she doesn't know what this is somehow.
1: Well, it was like um. We don't see them on TV until, like, Hell on Earth, right? Or yeah, something like that? So
2: yeah, this is, so she's not aware that he his whole job is to, like, fucking hunt her down, kind of a thing.
1: I guess, yeah. So that's, yeah. I, I
2: like that they set that up, though, because, like, it's not clumsily done. Like, it's not, you know, it's quick.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah. I like that. Roger says that he's always felt that way, but it's been bothering him more due to a recent job that took place in Oslo. And that's the capital of Norway. And so we have this flashback and we see Roger. He's traveling in a plane with Izzy Kemper, another agent who's a cult expert and linguist.
2: Who are we casting? Because this is a very specific guy. Oh, okay.
1: I didn't even think about that. This
2: is a very specific guy here.
1: But I think it's funny. He's only, his powers are only effective unless the weather's bad. And so it's snowing (laughs) and he's like, goddamn snow.
2: Oh, man.
1: That is an
4: interesting, like, you know, Weakness is like I can read your mind. Oh crap! It's rainy. Yeah, are you really thinking I'll about get you this next dog? time? <laughs>
1: uh,
4: but I do like
1: this guy. Yeah, he does look like somebody. I didn't even think about who to cast as him, but he does seem like a
2: like a Ben Stiller, maybe. Yeah,
1: like a funny character actor, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. like a like a Topher Grace. Hmm, too. maybe. Yeah, that would work.
2: I want to go with like a Jewish actor i really do because then later he's saying all this oi shit
4: oh you're right
1: okay. uh, who could really but...
2: let's who could make this work like who could really make this work you know what i'm saying like like lean into it or, okay
4: so ben ben stiller from 2003
2: then oh man <laughs> or like um uh oh someone wanted to cast him as um the director manning because of aliens
4: oh paul riser paul riser okay but yeah, yeah like but, a young Paul Reiser, but, I guess. But it'd have to be 1986 Paul
1: Reiser. Sure, yeah, yeah. sure, sure.
2: But he's already... It couldn't
4: be 2020 Paul Reiser.
2: He's already a maybe for Manning, so I guess we can't...
1: Yeah, I would like him for Manning. That's good casting.
2: There's just a lot of... There's a lot of, like, stressed out yeah. actors that could do this. <laughs> so, lay it lay it on us. Give us a hey, damn, guys. Let us know. Who's this guy who is psychic unless it's raining? <laughs>
1: Him and Roger are going to Norway to investigate church burnings, and they say here, similar to the mid-90s arson set by the neo-pagan nationalist Black Metal Underground. And I went, hmm, of course I have to look this up, right?
4: Well, this thing actually happened. I mean, there were de- uh, Black Metal bands in Norway
1: burning no, I know.
2: and there's like a whole I- I thing about... All
4: of- well, no, I mean, as a metal fan, I remember reading all about this, yeah. and I'm like, hey, not all metal fans are wanting to go bar. For down sure, triggers. exactly.
2: So, it's it's, <laughs> but it's one of those things where it's like you can be critical of all that stuff without being a Nazi.
4: But I, I feel like they're referring to it as a specific type of one because yes. this whole—I remember this whole black metal thing. It just—it felt more like these people were trying to be. Sensationalizing and, and provocative. And then it sprawled over to arson and, and then murder because yeah, well, uh, yeah. they started murdering. I don't remember their I don't know if you bandits. remember
2: like the whole D and D panic shit where it was like, Oh, if you play D and D, you're oh, a Satan worshipper. Uh, no, and if you're a no, Satan worshipper, you kill children and cats. And it's like, no, nobody's well, doing I mean, that.
4: That's, that's the whole reason I never got to play D and D when I was a child, because my parents fell for that. But yeah, no, I mean this 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 kind of stuff really did happen and it is sad. Yeah. Um, arson and murder and all that.
1: What set this apart was they found a burned body in this church. And what they're referencing here is Varg Verkenny's. And just like Aubrey said, you know, the, he participated in church burnings and then they even killed their own band members. During his incarceration, he continued to promote this Norwegian heathen front, which endorsed uh, neo Nazi views. And he called his beliefs Odalism. And here they talk about something like that. Like he mentions. Um, this band is called Oskori, which means the Wild Hunt. And they have a black metal movement called Barfrost Orden, which I think is supposed to be like this stuff that actually happened in the 90s. He also mentions Oscori's leader was this guy, Didrik Billerbeck. And so I thought this was interesting. So there are books, a lot of books written about this. And uh, one of the authors of one of the books called Lord of Chaos is Didrik sonderland and then there's another book called satan's kinder which is by leanne von billerbeck so i think like evan dorkin like has researched a lot he's read a lot of books about this stuff and he's kind of putting his own spin on all of it through this comic and you know in this version these guys went they set off for the jotunheim mountains to be closer to nature and the old gods no one's seen them since and Roger and Kemper, they're looking around trying to get information, but all the metal kids are just, like, flicking them off or whatever. But they did pick up the location of the secret
4: gathering of their tribes. Oh, just want to add on to what you were saying, Daniel. Yes, there are definitely neo-pagans who are not Nazis, but I do know that for some reason these black metal bands sure. want to embrace, like, Odin and Thor and all that kind of Which uh, is North mythology and warp it. To fit their Nazi, ideology. yeah, no. Yeah. So like,
2: there are there are yeah. there are subgroups of like Nazis who are like, oh, Thor's hammer is now a Nazi symbol. But it's like, yeah. no, you can't no. fucking have that. <laughs> you already have <laughs> like, the swastika. You can have I mean, that. A- now, like, we've given up on the swastika. Apparently, that used to be a thing, and now it's not a thing. But this is just something specific. Like John was saying, of like some metalheads really did get together and do murders and they're yeah, Nazis, they, they, so that's, that did happen.
1: As they approach the castle or whatever where they have all their gathering, uh, Kemper says, sounds like Cookie Monster getting castrated in a chainsaw factory. <laughs> that's like a critical, uh, people always say Cookie Monster or something like that when they're making fun of this music. Cookie. I will eat
0: them As a fan
4: of metal, and even, like, you know, I don't listen to black metal, but I've listened to, like, you know, like... I like to listen to some hardcore metal.
2: Ha, ha, ha. Uh, <laughs> a lot of that is very Cookie Monster, for sure. And then I, I hear these jokes
4: all the time. And as a as a metal fan, I'm saying, I don't want to hear anymore. Yeah. I, go, it, go, go pick on the younger generation of metal fans.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, Kemper, he mentions Black Circle. I was trying to figure out what that's a reference to. The only thing I could think of was... Um, The Black Sun symbol, which is another one of these neo-Nazi symbols. But there was also like a Black Circle art movement. But I don't believe that was associated with Nazism. But uh, I did look into that as well. It's
2: hard now. They're trying. There's so many symbols now. If you look up now what they like, even suspected like Nazi symbols, they're getting real creative with it. And I don't like it because now you don't know. You're like, oh, that's cool. What's that? And it's like, no, it's a Nazi symbol, apparently. There's so many.
1: He also mentions Ordo Templi Orentis. That's the OTO. And I think we've mentioned that on the podcast before. It's an occult initiatory organization founded at the beginning of the 20th century. And the origins of the OTO can be traced back to the German-speaking occultist Karl Kellner. And, of course, like occultist, Aleister Crowley is one of the best-known and most influential members of the OTO. And he also mentions the Viking Liberation Front. This is the Viking Jugend or the Viking Youth. This is a German neo Nazi organization modeled after the Hitler Jugend, which was another n- young Nazi group during World War II. And so I, I didn't really know, like, you know, Evan Dorkin, uh, a lot of his stuff, he does incorporate like his political views. And so I don't know if these organizations, how much they really have to do with Nazism or if he's just lumping them in there because. That's how he feels I about it. I think a
2: lot of this has been co opted and taken over and right. it's it's all like maybe it didn't start out as a Nazi organization, but it is now. I'm sure too bad. Right. It was infiltrated by fucking Nazis and they've totally twisted it around. And
1: yeah. one of the people that one of the agents that they're with gets shot in the head with an arrow, so I guess they've been noticed.
2: I like how before it happens,
4: you know, Roger's like, Do you think those weapons are real? And then it's like shunk? He's like, you asking him or me?
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's got that joke. It's got that humor from uh, Evan Dorkin. And that's kind of like that milk and cheese humor. There's a lot of like action here. Roger's like punching people's teeth out and stuff like that. And they give chase to those metalheads. Billerbeck. And as they go into their lair, they see another Nazi symbol there. Roger's like, what's that? Roger, my boy, we have a Nazi. And he makes this comment here. Quizzling universist. I was trying to... F- I, I'm not smart enough to, um, to to know what that is. I, I know a universist is Quisling someone... Quisling
2: universist. Yeah, I don't know what that is.
1: Yeah, so a universist is someone who exclusively applies personal reason and experience to existential religious and moral questions, accepts and is inspired by natural uncertainty of the human state and denies validity of revelation, faith, and dogma. And so I see none of
2: that specifically sounds like Nazi stuff, but then like.
1: (laughs) But so I I totally agree with that. But a quizling means traitor, right? So it's like traitor of someone who is a universus, right? I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 kind of like. So as Roger and Kemper follow the band down into their lair, they go down there, and there are like these evil scientists doing experiments, and they talk about Hymir.
2: Hold you definitely a need a girl to take care of a baby, though, because men are incapable of doing that. Didn't you know?
1: Well, obviously, this guy's got his arm chewed off or whatever when the when I, it had a tantrum. I think
2: the issue, <laughs> I think the issue though, is that it's a monster that spits up acid.
1: <laughs> and they call it Hymir, and in Norse mythology, Hymir is a giant husband of the giantess Hroldir. and according to the Eddic poem, the father of the god Tyr. He is the owner of the Mawal Cauldron in which the Aesir wanted to brew beer. Thor, accompanied by Tyr, obtained it from him. And so that is a Norse mythology character and a giant. And so we're going to reveal that they have this frost giant baby, right? Yeah. So they keep talking about Norse mythology and the old gods. And here, like, we find out that the metal guys, they found a frost giant in the ice. And then they teamed up with these evil scientists to kind of, like, I guess they're, like, breeding them. You can see, like, they have, like,
4: embryos yeah, and all these things that they're growing back there. Even if I was in a metal band, black metal band, and I find a giant baby in the snow. <laughs> well, I guess if I was a Nazi, I'd call Nazi scientist. But if I was a normal person, I would call everybody.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they're trying to use it for their own gain, right? I guess, you know, he said they went into the Jotunheim Mountains to be closer to the gods, and then I guess they found this. But no. the the two factions, the metalheads and the scientists, are like starting to argue over the baby and whose responsibility it is. And then all of a sudden, the metalhead guy he chops off the scientist's head. And when the baby sees this, like Danielle said, it vomits acid all over all the metal guys. And there's more of that Evan Dorkin gore. Oh, so they call it's it like yeah. They call
2: it a cl- so they found a frost giant in the ice. So I guess it was like preserved and they got the dna and cloned it and now that's the baby right yeah so those are the ones that they're growing right interesting yeah sorry i didn't understand that at first i'm still looking at everything like what is happening
4: i don't feel like the baby is intentionally vomiting acid on these people i just think it was crying so much it
1: spit sure, up
2: yeah 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 high uh you
4: know like we all have hydrochloric acid in our right
1: stomach. right the main guy or whatever the leader you can tell him because he's got the x on his head we see him like right. <laughs> all uh burned away or whatever all gross and he's got his intestines hanging out and he's like running off after being vomited on by the baby and he says from the fury of the northmen deliver us O lord which is a north mythology saying but then i read all this stuff about it like that wasn't really said somewhere it was a different saying from this actual thing so anyway that's a whole thing too that's a whole thing
4: Ah, so it's like, beam me up, Scotty. They heard it wrong and
1: just got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he pushes a button and it starts to destroy the whole lab. And so as the whole lab is burning down, there was something I had to do, Roger says. And so the baby's there. It's crying over the body of the guy that got his head chopped off. And so Roger has to shoot it. He says, I'm sorry, as he holds his gun up. It was in pain, Dr. Ramsey says. Let me ask you something, she asks. "Did you feel you did the right thing? Yes, he says. Can I ask you something? What did you do with Dr. Ramsey's body after you killed her? And so we reveal that Dr. Ramsey wasn't even Dr. Ramsey at all. It was an evil monster. He calls it a mummy tem- with, like, four eyes. Right. Well, and a bunch of fingers, too. Well,
2: and there's eyes on the hands and stuff.
1: He calls it a Temhot, a grief eater. But I couldn't find any reference to that, so I think that's just a fictional monster that Dorkin came up with.
2: What we do in the shadows has, like, the like emotional vampire okay as like it's a joke it's a bit but right here that they're kind of doing like a more literal sure, yeah kind of a thing there
1: so this was a whole thing by roger he this was his way to track the creature and and they have this little fight here she's like stupider still your gun is useless here that's why i brought this roger says black and decker cordless Ricked with nails from your victim's coffin. So he's got like a nail gun there, and he's able to shoot the monster with that. That's Jesus Christmas, Roger, Kemper says from outside. And then as he goes inside, he says, Oigavolt. Yeah. Again, which is, we, we had heard that earlier in the downtime story. He says, I knew this was a bad idea. You okay? No, Roger says. You want to talk about it? Don't charge by the hour or explode, Kemper says. Thanks. No, Roger responds. You told her about Oslo, didn't you, Kemper asks. Huh, I guess the weather cleared up. Are you kidding, Kemper says, because it's still raining outside. Goddamn rain. So Roger's still depressed after, after the end of all this.
2: Right. He assumes that he knew that because he's psychic, but he was like, no, the weather's still bad. I'm not psychic. I just know that that fucked you up real bad.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I guess this photo that we see at the end is the real doctor with the husband, I guess. Which was like, had been killed Diana. by the monster or whatever. By the Temhawk. Yeah, yeah. so that was a lot in this story. That was a weird one. I thought it was interesting too to like yeah, focus it in one. on Roger. That was cool. Have a little Roger story.
2: That was good. Cannon okay. or not.
1: What do, you, what do you think about this one?
2: I mean, it's fine. It could, it could very well be. Yeah, yeah. I think it's structured in such a way that, you know, it's basically just a shorter version of something that we're used to seeing.
1: Yeah. It has that historical fiction in there kind of, you know, it's referencing something that actually happened. And um, like Aubrey said, this could be like right after a daimio joined. We know yeah. that Roger was like during the war of frogs and all this stuff. There was a one he, shot there where he was like, why am I even doing this? Right. You know, what was the point of that?
4: We just killed those frog
1: monsters that were minding their own business.
4: Yeah. So when Roger shoots the baby, it, got me thinking you know that's a baby yes it's a baby frost giant and it just vomited acid over people but it's still a baby if they hadn't shot the baby and brought it back to the bprd do you think that they could have raised the baby the same way they raised hellboy and Mm -hmm. it become like a frost giant for good
1: (laughs) i don't know know. that's a good point yeah
2: everything was like on fire and exploding though i kind of feel like Roger oh, thought like it was better to
4: end it mercifully. I know. I get that. I get that.
2: When they found uh Daryl, you know, they tried their best with Daryl and all that. They do have a history of when it's appropriate of trying to contain them and help them and stuff. But yeah. I think that this was yeah. maybe just, he had to make a call kind of a thing. I don't know. It reminds me of, like, that Deadpool bit at the end of the movie where he oh. has to kill baby Hitler, and he's like, jeez. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't know it would be this hard to kill baby Hitler. But, but it's I, Hitler. Like, of course you're going to kill it.
1: But it, but he cuts to him just rocking it. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you just need to be changed. Yeah. That's why you're so mad. There you go. So who knows? <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, I, I think that there might have also been a danger, like, that could have killed Roger. Right. Like, could it just, like, squashed him. Or, or something like that, like it, or thrown up acid all over him. Like, it doesn't know that Roger might be trying to save it or do something good for it. Yeah. So I think there's that, too, where it could just, like, kill all of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Potentially, anyway. Sure. Why not?
4: Just because it could I mean it will. It's yeah. a baby. It doesn't know any better.
1: I just thought that was
4: an interesting thing.
1: Yeah. Well, that's why he's so bummed out, too. I mean,
4: it, it lends to that part of the story as right. well. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, it totally does because Roger is torn over that. He probably did think about what if somebody had done the same thing to Hellboy back in 1945 and they just shot him in the head, you know? Right, right. Who knows? Uh,
1: yeah. Canon or not.
4: Yeah, I, I think that this
1: one is, uh, I could take it or leave it, yeah. really. I mean, you know, it's. Well, I mean, on the
4: one hand, it's more Roger.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it is more Roger. You're right about that.
2: The design of the um, <clears throat> it's like therapist monster is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I like the art. I love the art in mm. this. Um, I was happy to see Evan Dorkin doing a, a little story like that.
4: Yeah, I really enjoyed the art. I thought it was great. The story was well paced. It was a it was a good story. Yeah. All
1: right. For our next story, we're going to go on to Party Pooper. This is a non canonical story <laughs> published in Hellboy Weird Tales Issue One, with both art and story by Andy Watson. Andy Watson is a British cartoonist and illustrator best known for the graphic novels Breakfast Afternoon, Slow Newsday, and his series Skeleton Key and Love Fights, published by Ani Press and Slave Labor Graphics. He worked for various comic book companies. He's currently writing and drawing children's books, most notably the Gum
4: Girl series. I really enjoyed this art. I thought the simplicity of it was great and I just I really liked it. So
2: It's super cute. It's very <laughs> pleasant to look at yeah. for sure.
4: Yeah,
1: I do like this art. We get this little carnival. We have the boardwalk there and so I was thinking this might be Pleasure Beach in Connecticut cuz I was trying to look for something that's near sure. the Falling Water, you know, that would be around there. Uh, so maybe that's where um, Kate and Halboy are hanging out here. And Hellboy's like, Why are we here? And Kate says that he's been brooding too much lately. Time to get out and have some fun. Want to shoot something? And so she takes him over to the.
2: It's a little like a pellet gun where you hit targets and. Yeah, it's a little a carnival
1: game, yeah.
4: Carnival shooting game.
1: So Hellboy's like, Sure. And he shoots at this little duck thing. And the little pellet bullet goes bouncing all over the place. And I like the person who's running the booth is like, you maniac. I like that little panel where he's like (laughs) ducking down. Little punk, Hellboy says. And Kate's like, come on, think fun. Over here, this is more your thing. And then here, this is more like the skee-ball type um,
2: cornhole
1: or whatever. You're
2: throwing the ball at the stack of things to try and knock it down. Oh, that's what it
1: is. That's what that one is. I'm sorry. Well,
4: before we get there, I like the fact that Hellboy is a
1: bad shot in this oh right right. yeah Yeah, he can't hit the little thing yeah oh i never noticed where kate's like over here this is more your thing like behind him the person's all mad the person from the previous booth that's really cute (laughs) i thought that these were the three balls and hellboy's got to throw them in that hole
2: oh is that what he's doing
1: I thought it was like a knockdown.
2: Yeah, I thought he was knocking something over.
1: Oh, okay. Maybe that's what it like a is. Target. And so he takes one of the balls in his right hand of doom.
4: It like goes it's through too much. the yeah. It's too far. He definitely should be going home with the big stuffed animal. Right. <laughs> All you say is knock it down. It didn't say you don't win if you destroy it.
1: Right. <laughs> and so we get this scene here where Hellboy and Kate they're staring out onto the water, and Hellboy says the years pass. And you wonder whether you're getting closer or further away from what you are.
2: He has a little, he won a little stuffed animal down there.
1: Oh, you're right. That's that little penguin that she's holding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we see it later when they go, when we cut over to the, and I was trying to figure out what is that penguin from? But no, you're absolutely right. They won it at the carnival. So yeah, you're absolutely right, Aubrey. He did win it, even though he probably knocked it down. (laughs) <laughs> yeah there's that little penguin there and i i did notice that andy watson he works a lot for penguin books uh publishing
2: so there you go So i wonder if that's yeah. what the
1: penguin is a reference very to cute. and we see liz there she's got a stack of like 12 pancakes or something and she's like we made your favorite Aww. and they have a little banner there happy birthday hb and he's like oh this is why you wanted me out of the way
2: very cute
1: yeah One last thing, she says, and she holds her finger to the candle and lights it.
2: Very cute.
1: And Hellboy takes the stack of pancakes and he looks into the flame. And then within the flame, he sees his throne in hell and the crown. And then he also sees his friends, Liz, Abe, Kate, and Roger. And then deeper in the flame, past the crown, he sees Astaroth. The flame is like a mirror. Merely a reflection. You were born of it and shall return to it. Your seat awaits you. And so Hellboy looks into the flame. Blow hard, he says (laughs) as he blows it out. And then he's just there eating pancakes with his friends. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that.
2: Nice. And a little popper here because that's what you do across the pond. Oh he got yeah, paupers. yeah. He has a little paper crown on, very cute. Oh yeah,
1: he does have the little crown on. So it's not the flame crown; it's just like yeah. the little yeah. And little they're all pancakes. eating. They're all eating pancakes. Very cute. I really like that. So it's kind of like this lighthearted story, and definitely the art style lends it to it. But at the heart of it, like Hellboy's wrestling with all these. It's
2: still very intense, and it has a lot of uh, very big themes that yeah. we're used to. From it, really re- resembles to me a lot of Mignola's stuff. Like, it's not very dialogue heavy, but it right. is very, yeah. um, there's a lot to it still. It's very, you know, it's robust and it's, um the storytelling itself uh, visually is very striking. And so I I like how succinct it is. I like this one a it's lot. It's just a good bit
1: of storytelling. It's, it's really good. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Canon or not. <laughs> <laughs> My
1: God. <laughs> oh man that was great so when I knew we were coming back to Weird Tales, I hadn't read these in forever. This is the one that I thought of.
2: Oh, okay. This was the one that okay. I was
1: like, oh, I'm excited to come back and look at this one again because I remember liking this one and definitely thinking that it could fit into the canon. These came out right around the Third Wish and stuff like that. So we had already seen Astaroth and there had already been a lot of this, um, Hellboy, we've got to kill you because you're going to destroy the world and all this kind of stuff.
2: I think it's a good, if it's like a, if it's something like, hey, we're trying to reach people who have never even heard of Hellboy. Let's show them what yeah. they might be getting yeah. and it's kind of a oh, it's a team ensemble book, but then and it's sometimes it's like, Hey, I like my friends, but then sometimes it's like, Oh, maybe you're a demon in hell. Right. So yeah. watch out. And so it's very kind of it's got a little bit of everything in there.
4: I would say that this one could 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 or you know, I mean, it doesn't counter counteract anything that we know for canon. So I mean I feel like this is a nice kind of story. You know, it does really kind of reference how Hellboy's struggle when, you know, after Cedar Destruction and Rasputin let him know what he kind of was, and he started having those kind of existential, like, thoughts of, like, oh, shit, what really am I? He doesn't want to confront it. I feel like Andy Watson was actually a fan of Hellboy, and he knew the story when he wrote the story. I
2: feel
4: like some of the people knew what Hellboy was about when they wrote their stories, and their stories can fit.
2: And And some people couldn't be fucked to even go look at it. Other
4: people are like, they're like, oh shit, yeah, I'll draw
1: some shit for you, Mike. (laughs) Another thing that I like is, um, you know, it's his birthday and we know his birthday is like on Christmas Eve or something like that. So it's snowing, Mm -hmm. you know, they have that element in there that was kind of goes along with what you were saying that Andy Watson maybe knew some stuff. And then a lot of those early stories were Hellboy and Kate, Mm -hmm. you know, so that kind of goes along with this as well. So yeah, I definitely um, say that this one could fit in. I like this one a lot.
2: It's super cute.
1: In the collected version, after this story, there's a pinup by Jason Pearson, who did The Dread Within. That was the Exorcist story with Liz from last week. And here we get another version of Liz. She's got those awesome cuffs. cuffs, yeah. We've got Hellboy, and then we've got Kate in there. I do like the version of Kate that Pearson draws. Yeah, I think this
4: is a great pinup
1: this would be a cool poster in the background there's a there's a painting on the wall of a guy sitting in a chair with these ravens around him i think that's mignola
2: yeah for sure oh well, yeah definitely
1: when they drew him remember when they drew him in Nextman 21 yeah so he had like a hoop earring in that one and then in this one he does too so i wonder if he used to wear a hoop earring back in the day late 90s early 2000s
4: jerry i bet if you're listening you can let us know if he did right (laughs) book club member
1: yeah yeah awesome very cool pinup. i do like this one a lot with colors by dave stewart all right and for our next story we're going to discuss curse of the haunted doily this was a non-canonical story published in hellboy weird tales issue two with a story by mark ricketts and art by eric wright Mark Ricketts is an American comic book writer, illustrator, and cartoonist. He has worked with a variety of publishers, including Caliber Comics, Chaos Comics, Mojo Press, Marvel Comics, Dark Horse Comics, Moonstone Comics, and Image Comics. And Eric Wright is an independent comic illustrator. Colors and Letters by Michelle Madsen, who's done a lot of work on these Weird tale stories and for Dark Horse Comics. All right, and so we open up on this one. I do like the layout of the little title. Where it's all on the different mail packages that Kate has and stuff like that.
4: I do agree with you there because I like kind of stuff like that, you know, where they incorporate the titles into the artwork somewhere. And not car- just in comics.
2: That's a very cartoon thing. That's in comics thing. and
4: movies too. Yeah. It's
1: a
2: very animated. And this has kind
1: of like an animated look. We've seen a lot of that in this series. Yeah. Kate opens up this letter. From her Auntie Jane, it says, Dear Katie, I've been sorting through your mother's things. Found a little something she'd been holding on to since we were children. Your great-grandmother used to say it was enchanted, but that old bird was off her rocker. Anyway, your mother would have wanted you to have it. And Kate opens it up, and as she opens it, she gets a paper cut, Right. She's like, electrolysis, a root canal, anything but a paper cut. Oh, what a shame. And she gets blood on this doily. That's what she opens up out of this package. And then so when it gets blood on it, it like floats up in the air. Green smoke starts coming out of it. There's like a flash of light. And then this old woman in a bee- with a beehive. And, you know, she's got like the... What is that kind of dress called? moo A moo Yeah, where it's just like one thing. And so it's Kate's mom, I guess, because she says, Mother... Well, well, she can speak, but she never calls. Is your dialing finger broken, Katie? So it's all like the typical, you know, the stuff that your mom would say, stand up straight, you're hunched over like a Halloween cat. But she's like a ghost version. Like she just comes back and rags on Kate for all those different things. How'd you get here? Gabriel called my number. I yelled bingo, a trap door opened, and well, here I am, she says, right on time too. Raising dust bunnies for fun and profit, are we? As she, like, wipes off the dust off a piece of furniture. And so we see, like, Kate's also becoming younger as this goes on, like, she's starting to turn into a little girl, as her mom is just, like, nagging her and chastising her. Filth everywhere, but not one grandbaby in sight. Honey, your biological clock needs rewinding. And so she's just telling her all this stuff. Um, she finds a picture on the mantle of Kate and Abe, and she's like, oh dear, Katie, there's a lot of fish in the sea, and not all of them are actual fish. The bulk of the comic is just this. It's just the mom just, um, saying all these different things to her.
4: I like this kind of picture of Kate and Abe, and you got Hellboy photobombing them in the
1: background. Oh yeah, Hellboy's in the background, I didn't even notice that. That is a cute picture, though. So the phone starts ringing, and the mom ghost picks it up, and she's like, I think you mean, may I speak to Kate, please? No, no, you may not. My daughter is unavailable. That's right, dear. Now you can return to the barn where you were raised and continue wallowing in the mud with your curly-tailed brothers and sisters, Tootles. And she hangs up on whoever it was that's called. And then we reveal that it was... Sydney Leach's, Leechy Boy. Yeah, they put him in there. He was trying to call Kate because he's on a mission with Abe. I thought it was so funny to include this guy back in there pretty good yeah he was the human metal detector or something like that (laughs) right (laughs) Mm -hmm. i like how we just get this one panel of like abe just shot a hole through some sort of monster and he goes to Leechy boy did you reach her there are darker forces at work here than i first thought sydney says i really love that because he just got chastised and told off by the mom so then we cut to abe kate and johan and they're in the break room
2: you boys making some tea oh
1: yeah you can tell by his little goatee there or whatever his little beard so how'd you get rid of her bass? i told her i'd marry a doctor move to the suburbs and have a bunch of kids and then johan says i'm a doctor ah. the end <laughs> cute is it?
4: Is is johan a doctor
1: i think so isn't yeah, he he's dr a, krauss uh, yeah yeah i think when they first introduce him they say that he was a doctor they and,
4: never
1: bring that up again. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, but then also, there was a... Remember when Johan got the, the buff body? And he, he oh, was yeah. trying he, to ask Kate out. He kept trying to he ask did. her out. So I thought yeah. that was kind of interesting, too, that they put that in there. It kind of ties in a little bit. I like how have, they have Sidney Leach. That was the most excited thing that I yeah. w- I had about this story. I love those two panels with Abe and Sidney Leach.
4: They're so cool.
1: Canon or not?
4: Not. I don't really see Kate ending the thing with her mom by saying that she's going to marry a a doctor in
2: the suburbs and all that. And what's the point of having a cartoonishly overbearing mother for Kate's character? It's just kind of like, who wrote this? Please get some therapy.
4: Yeah. I mean, there are people that enjoy this type of humor. I'm not one of them. I'm not a hater. I don't know. I mean, this is Kate we're talking about. Kate is not a fucking five-year-old screaming on the floor, pounding her fists. No. Right, right, and then promising to marry a doctor. And we we'll just—I mean, yes, okay, I do think that Kate is a competent leader who knows how to say the right thing to get her sure people below her to do what they need to do. But I don't feel like she's a liar.
1: Yeah, okay, that's kind of how I took it—is she just took the easiest route out? I'm just going to say this, and then yeah, no. yeah, I think I'll let this one be part of the non-canon stuff, you know. Um but I do like that Leachy boy was in there. So it was good seeing him. That was cool.
4: I I do want to add though, I do think the art is I think the art is great. I I love the art, yeah. The art is well done.
2: Oh yeah, the art's not bad at all.
4: Uh it's paced really well. It's just it just didn't do anything for me.
1: Sure. And our next story is Long Distance Caller. This is a non-canonical story published in Hellboy Weird Tales number seven, written and drawn by Kev Walker. Kev Walker is a British comics artist and illustrator based in Leeds, who worked mainly on 2000 AD and the Warhammer Comics, and the collectible card game Magic the Gathering. So he did some of the art for that, Mm -hmm. and he now works for Marvel Comics. Lettered by Michael Heisler, and edited like all the rest of these stories by Scott Alley. So we open at the BPRD headquarters in Fairfield, Connecticut, and we see Johan, he's out on the roof. And he says that he hasn't slept. He can't sleep since his accident in Chengdao. And so that references the origin that we read in those early BPRD stories. He talks about how boring it is with only the snoring of others for company. And so he talks about that he takes some nights, he goes out there and he takes off the protective suit and he goes sailing in his ectoplasm up into the atmosphere. He says, the sensation is impossible to describe so berauschend and that means intoxicating or exhilarating in german in a previous story one of the canon stories where johann goes sailing off in the ectoplasm and he goes and he gets the other suit remember that happened at, like after eno's died we wondered how far he could go without mm-hmm. the protection of the suit and in this story he goes all the way up into the atmosphere like, oh, basically over to Australia. Yeah. Right? If this was was canon, it would establish that he can travel for a really long way. Right. You know. So I, I want to say that there's something in the canon where they say that he can't be out of his suit for very long. Hmm. So that might... Anyway, that was just something oh. that I was thinking about as I was looking at this.
2: The art is fantastic, also, though. It's really beautiful. Also,
4: don't forget that when you travel up to the atmosphere, you can travel far distances on the globe.
1: Oh, you mentioned that. Yeah,
4: yeah. You I mean, mentioned
1: that they, they, last they, time. So this maybe this is where he learned that trick. You know,
4: because it's like that's what they talk about when they talk about like doing space planes. They're like, right. shoot you way the fuck up, and you know, and then down. You can get to like Europe in like five minutes. Yeah, yeah. I'm kidding. You can't get there that fast, but you know okay. what I'm saying. <laughs>
1: um,
4: but I do like, uh,
1: like Danielle said, the art is really amazing, and it's like. Johan is just smoke or whatever but somehow they give it Yeah, like, I was going to say like just if, oh, yeah. if you're just
2: drawing like a vapor Yeah. And stuff and among clouds even. So yeah. to distinguish like Johan drifting around clouds takes so much skill to make it look like actually something. And so this I really appreciate like the travelling wispiness is um yeah, it's, really it's really beautiful, cool. it's remarkable.
1: And as he's traveling he sees a distraction, and he sees like this beam of light coming out of the sky and creating this huge plume of smoke on the ground. As he gets closer to it, he sees that it's like coming from one of these parabolic antennas. He tries to get close to it, and then it kind of like burns him or something. And you can see that within the smoke, all these little details. Like Danielle said, how do you distinguish what's like the plume of smoke from this explosion beam of light, and then what's actually Johann in the ectoplasm? And so it makes him curious. On the ground, we see, like, this scientist or this lady driving up in the car, and she's like, idiots, morons, they didn't listen to a damn word I said. They were supposed to wait for me. And so Johan swoops down, and he's, like, following her behind. And I like how you can almost see, like, a human shape in that little smoke that they do. Yeah, Mm -hmm. She says, the signal's just a carrier. Got to close the connection. And so she goes and she grabs this handle, and then she gets all shocked or something. She gets zapped and gets thrown back, and Johan is watching all this. And he says, I should just turn around and call in the authorities, but that would take too long. Who knows what might happen? And so he sees her shocked on the ground, and he says, well, that gives him time to see what's inside. And he goes inside, and it's like as he comes through the wall, you can see the head shape of the smoke. It's really neat how they did this effect. Yeah, yeah. The surprises just keep coming. And when he goes inside, he sees like this crazy alien monster. I don't know what. It's like sucking the life out of all the people that are in there. They're all desiccated and dead. And it's just like some weird monster thing. I mean, I, I, I love this. this. I think this fits in right in with the weird Hem designs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't even know how to describe this monster.
2: Yeah. Incredible art.
1: It's just like a shape. It's just like weird shapes and stuff and eyes and claws. And like when the monster sees the ectoplasm coming up, like it tries to like cut through it. That's <laughs> such a cool panel. Yeah. You know, but it's just smoke or whatever. Something not of this world, Johan says. Something alive, belligerent and hungry.
2: <laughs> I like how he describes it as belligerent. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and i guess it's trying to suck johan in through one of these eyes or something whatever and then johan stabs the eye with his ectoplasm and so that allows him to be able to get out for a little bit he goes back out and he sees the woman that got shocked she's starting to come around and he's like perhaps now she just might hear me and so he like pushes the ectoplasm into her head or something And he's like, the power girl, kill the power. But that's pretty cool. Like, we've never seen him do anything like that. Like, that's another level to his powers that we haven't really seen. Has he ever gone inside a living person?
4: But I thought that, like, uh, he could still communicate with the living while he was in his missed ghost form.
2: He's surprised that she heard him.
4: Yeah.
1: So
2: he's like, oh, my God, I can't believe she heard me
1: yeah anyway so that might not fit in totally with the canon, but i do like that i think it's a neat idea oh yeah
4: i think it's great i mean yeah
1: so as she comes out of it she's like oh i gotta kill the power why the hell did i think of that and so she gets in her car and she drives it into the i guess into the station that's powering this thing there's a huge explosion and the monster totally disintegrates there's no point in hanging around, Johan thinks. Don is coming in Connecticut, and I'm getting tired. And so we cut to the next morning. We see him back in his suit, and it seems like he's just zipping it up as well or something. Like, he's just getting back into it.
2: Yeah, that's that's really good, um, you know, body language there. Yeah,
1: because you can't see it. It's from the back, but it does really convey good, that yeah. like he's looking down and he's zipping it or something.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Kate comes out, Johan, so this is where you've been hiding. And he's like, yeah, it's quiet here. I like to watch the sunrise. Couldn't you sleep, he asks? No, not really, she says. How about you? Oh, you know the usual, he responds. Nothing on TV, she asks. Nothing to my liking, no. She says, now there's a surprise. (laughs) I thought that was a cute moment. I guess he watches a lot of TV or something like that, or...
2: Or maybe it's sarcastic, like she's like, "Oh yeah, not surprised, you know." Right. You yeah. know, but what I, It's very like it's a good relationship moment. Either, yeah. either way, you read it.
1: And she says, "Come on, I'll buy you breakfast." Then we fly to Australia, something to do with a SETI station uh, down there. And he's like, "Ah, oh, perhaps I ought to tell I you." I got to come clean.
2: After all, I got to tell you about it. It can't be coy anymore. I gotta, right.
1: I like this too because we are also revealed that it was like some alien like now it makes a little bit more sense to the reader too because you're like oh that's what that thing was that's what that parabolic dish was or whatever and the seti institute is a not-for-profit research organization incorporated in 1984 whose mission is to explore understand and explain the origin and nature of life in the universe and to apply the knowledge gained to inspire and guide present and future generations It aims for discovery and for sharing knowledge as scientific ambassadors to the public, the press, the government said he stands for the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. The end. Yeah. I thought that was pretty (laughs) cool, you know, but I don't know if it fits into the Canon verse. So
2: Uh, I liked it. It was a good little story.
4: I enjoyed it as well.
2: Yeah.
1: I would like it to be, I would like to say that this one would be in the Canon, but I wonder if there are things that conflict with the Canon in the way that they use Johan's sure, po- right. powers. That's the only reason yeah. why I would say maybe not. And that's but, a
2: lot of the stories that we're really enjoying. It seems like they're taking a little bit of extra yeah. kind of, just to kind of make, you know, so I think that that's something that that's I... That's um, interesting you say that. Because, well, all those stories that are under the canon umbrella are all, you know, you've got Mignola and Scott Allen, everybody kind of working to make sure that it's all a cohesive... Canon experience and there's nothing that's well. I'm gonna take the character and do this with it. I'm okay. So right. this is kind of the more they are within world insofar as they care about the character and the story they're telling. But it's also worth seeing like a glimpse of what would happen if you did have it released into that oh, kind okay. of yeah. ecosystem where well we've got a new team on this book so now I'm gonna do whatever I want with Johan and I'm gonna do whatever I want with Liz and so now it's this instead so it's kind of a little taste of that Yeah. so like I think too much of that would be very detrimental but I think just these little vignettes these little windows into this kind of slightly alternate reality is great I think it's really I I like it a lot because it's just this one self-contained little story here Mm -hmm. so that's kind of the beauty of it of of why I am enjoying this is like oh well would happen if this yeah this is cute i like this so it's um i do very much enjoy the art and i thought it was a nice little story i thought it was true in keeping with the characters like nature yeah and sure there was like a little thing with his powers or whatever but i don't yeah so it's yeah
1: i don't know if it's that big of a deal but you know that that i'm the type of person that thinks about that no
2: because then that opens up a whole can of worms of like well why doesn't he do that with this over here and right you know so that you don't want that you have to have a limit on some of this stuff but it's interesting
4: I don't know. I guess I just kind of. I just realized this, like right now, uh, as we're uh, reading all this stuff again. It's just that um, I kind of feel like I've been enjoying the stuff from these weird tales more when Hellboy is not the main character. Right. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. When it's stuff like when it's, like when it's like this Rogers story or Liz story or something like that, I feel like that can be slightly more canon. But I feel like the kind of stuff when it comes with Hellboy, not everybody is capturing his voice. And obviously, Hellboy is like you Neil's know voice. I mean, right, I mean you, know voice, yeah. you know, I mean, and so that's why that stuff, the stuff with Hellboy feels further away from canon than the stuff like this story or those Liz stories where it's like just little slices of what they could be doing in their life. Right, and right. Yeah. You know, so like this one, this story here, I mean, yeah, it could be canon. I mean, there's some things that we don't, they use Johan's power in a way, in a way that, doesn't really seem to line up to what we know in further stories but this wasn't came out earlier and so yeah it could have happened obviously we know further along that johan doesn't do things like this ultimately i, I like the story i think it could slot in yeah into the canon
1: of course all right and for our last story we're going to talk about my vacation in hell this is a non-canonical story published in hellboy weird tales number six written and drawn by craig thompson Craig Thompson is a graphic novelist, best known for his books Goodbye, Chunky Rice, Blankets, which I know is critically acclaimed. Thompson has received four Harvey Awards, three Eisner Awards, and two Ignatz Awards. And um, I thought this was a fun little thing here that he did with My Vacation in Hell. So he's talking about Hellboy. And we go through this thing and it's like numbered. What what do you call this style where it's like, I don't know how to say it. It's like almost like chapters. I don't know, like almost like a children's book where it's got the counting throughout. Yeah, yeah
2: it's like little chapters or something like that. It's almost like these are the little illustrations at the chapter page that's maybe in a that's what I'm thinking without of. Yeah. the rest of the book. So yeah. you're like, you're just missing all of the book and all you have are like the little chapter yeah. illustrations. It's great. At the start of the chapters. Very cute. It's very like the engraving almost style of yeah. it. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah.
1: Well, I was thinking like the font usage or the letter, the way the letters are put in there too. It's kind of like, it almost reminded me like of tarot cards or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't
4: know. Yeah. It, it did make me think of that too.
2: Is that hand lettering? It would Probably. have to be yeah think step so, on. Yeah. let me zoom in here yes it is beautiful
4: We
1: open with Fishing Expedition on the River Styx in this
4: first panel uh, I like these mountains in the background they almost kind of look like the mountains are flames that are solidified
2: Yeah cool
1: Right yeah and we see Hellboy he's fishing off the River Styx and he's in the boat with we've talked about um Charon before the boatman and he catches some sort of angler fish thing. It says the catch number two. And then there's like a diagram of him like uh, cleaning, it and all cleaning that. the fish. Right. And then three is consumption of abominable meat. Mm. We see Hellboy. Now he's vomiting after eating that angler fish. And there's all like tentacles and snakes and all this stuff coming out. And then there's eternal custodian of purgatory. <laughs> he's just got a sigh right there with the mop ready to go. Four is Respite on the Island of Sexy Angels. And Hellboy's surrounded by all these sexy angels and a stork. And then the next one, five, is Escape from the Island of Sexy Angels. <laughs> I love how bit. those go together. It's yeah, a, It's
2: a good bit. <laughs>
4: that stork on the four, he's more like a voyeur. He's just watching Hellboy. Oh right. Angels.
1: <laughs> and then six is Beneath the Island of Sexy Angels. <laughs> and then so there's like this wraparound staircase and it says Descent into the Abyss. And those are both terms that were used in Hellboy and Hell, which I thought was interesting because that hadn't even come out yet.
2: I like the very... it's almost like psychedelic, the way that the stairs are drawn, and you've got this very absurdist thing going on. This next, These next few panels here look very much like Hieronymus Bosch yeah, stuff I was, going on.
1: I was trying to figure out what this art style was. Absurdist
2: where, or psychedelic, I guess. Where we've got like I the mean.
1: Seven Evening with the Lake of Fire Symphony, <laughs> and so yeah, this is a... Super cute. You know, they're playing, they're strumming like people's intestines... And there's monsters singing, and they've got like the monster face on the chest with the mouth and the stomach, we've, which we've also seen Mignola do um, in those creepy statues in Pandemonium.
4: That monster is playing a horn
1: out of the monster in his mouth and his mouth, and he's holding both horns up.
2: Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Eight is butt trumpet induced headache, because that's part of the symphony as well. That's good. Are these monsters that are holding trumpets up to their butts, and I guess they're playing out of their butts which is pretty great nine is randomly devoured at nap time and then ten is doubly devoured so hellboy's being eaten by a monster while he sleeps and then that monster is being eaten by another monster
2: also some of this kind of reminds me of like you ever see those old uh examples of when monks would doodle in the margins of stuff and like the little... Like they would try to draw a cat. This is what they would...
1: Right. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah. Those old types of animals. I'm telling you, there's an art style here that yeah. I'm missing. Uh, maybe it's that Hieronymus Bosch, like you were saying. Right. But Yeah. Somebody tell me if you know what... If these are visual references to.
2: I really would love to hear people's comments on this because it's very interesting artistic yeah, style. I love it. Even the colors are fantastic.
1: Eleven is Gastrointestinal Water Park. And so... Here we see Hellboy's going through the through the intestinal tract of the monster that ate him, and there's all these little monsters in there, and they're all partying and having a good time. They're all swimming all around.
2: Yeah, it's <laughs> the details of this. I I love kind of looking through all the little.
1: Yeah, this is a great one to like zoom in details, on and yeah. look at all the different little things.
2: Really good, super cute. This is very fun.
1: Twelve is surgically removed, so now Hellboy's being surgically removed from the monster that ate him. He was like stuck in the guts. And then afterwards, he has a full spa treatment. Thirteen is sauna. Hellboy's just like chilling out on the bench. But then behind him, all these people are being tortured by monsters. (laughs) Because that's what happens in hell, right? But he's just a devil like everybody else. So he's just like, he gets to chill out there, I guess. Jeez. Fourteen is towel off. (laughs) And so it's just one panel. It's kind of interesting. That's just like kind of just blank with him drying himself off.
2: A very short chapter. Yeah. I love the petting corral. I love this.
1: These army
2: of goats, these goats here.
1: 15 is the petting corral. We see army of goats, the legion swine, and doggies. Doggies, yeah. (laughs) And Hellboy's petting Cerberus, it looks like, right? it's great. (laughs) And 16 concessions. And then this one is really great, too, to zoom in on. Oh, man. This is all
2: the details in here.
1: He's got the little stove with all the ghosts, like, screaming in there, whatever, whatever that machine is. And then the soft serve, of course, you got to talk about that. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) <laughs> there's and then, like, like
2: there's like shrunken heads and there's lollipops with you know pentagrams and there's
1: right like, yeah and hellboy he's looking like this bird head or some sort of monster head on a stick and it says the rare bit yeah so i was trying to figure out what that is a reference to i did look up there's a, a welsh recipe called rare bit it's a dish made uh, with a savory sauce of melted cheese and various other ingredients, and served hot after being poured over slices of toasted bread, or served in a chafing dish like fondue. And it's called rarebit, but it has it, it doesn't have rabbit in it. It's just like cheese and stuff or whatever. Mm. So I don't know what that's a reference to. So and seventeen is the bad dream, and so here we see Hellboy asleep, and there's this huge dragon over him, and it's got um the seven heads, right? Yeah, yeah. this is
2: almost like sesque
1: okay yeah, yeah okay kind of yeah Seuss-ish. and so i think that this is a reference to the ogre jihad and it's saying like blasphemy end of days anung rama it has a big 666 in front of it yeah. and hellboy's like snoring he's like oh give me a break already geez <laughs> while he's like sleeping he's like leave me alone i'm on vacation Ugh. he pushes one of the dragon's heads away and then 18 6 plus 6 plus 6 resume fishing and so we see Hellboy back on the river sticks with Sharon. We see his line going down into the water, and there's like a little worm on it. And then it says Leviathan. And so there's this giant monster with all this these different creatures coming out of his mouth. This is just incredible. Yeah, it's really good. And I thought this was a visual reference to something as well. You guys, let let me know um, if I'm missing something here. But
2: even the limited palette makes me think of like a series of prints yeah here you know what i mean like this is very um very interesting styles um visually interesting
1: yeah and like danielle was saying it's just fun to kind of zoom in and focus on all the details all the different things coming out of this monster's mouth and like there's a demon in his mouth and the demon's about to grab the worm that hellboy is fishing with and then there's this one guy impaled on one of the leviathan's teeth (laughs) and he says wish you were
4: here Yeah. That's
1: good. So that's it. So um, what do you think about this one? We'll let uh, let Aubrey do it again.
4: Can it (laughs) or not? Can it or
2: not?
1: I mean, I I don't know that Hellboy ever goes down to hell. I do like this one. Right. I I do like this one, but that he would just take a vacation down there and could do all this stuff. You know, um, I just think it's more of just like a fun thought experiment or something to think about. It's more like a visual just gag throughout the whole thing yeah. so i think it's just meant to be like a entertaining bit of art which i really like yeah, yeah i really enjoyed it, was it
2: nice. a lot Very interesting
4: yeah i mean it was it was fun but it's definitely not mignola's health because you know that has a different style to it it was fun i mean but we also know hellboys never didn't go to hell before he went to hell
1: right right <laughs> And um, so at the end of this, we have the Weird Tales gallery. And so these are all the different pinups and covers from the eight issues of Weird Tales that came out. I do want to go through these at the end. So we open up. We've got Cameron Stewart doing this depiction of Hellboy. And it's kind of like from the head story. I like this. And so Cameron Stewart, he would come back later with a very different art style and develop Ashley Strode into the resident exorcist for the BPRD that we know her as.
4: Was this a cover, or was this just like a pinup? up <clears throat> I think this one
1: was just a pin-up. I'm not really sure which ones are covers and which ones are, are pin-ups. The next one is Alex Maleev. He did that Weird Tales story, Stillborn, as well as Hellboy in the BPRD 1952, and this one is definitely referencing that Stillborn story.
4: Yeah, this is a good one. I like this one.
1: We also have Dave Stevens with Dave Stewart. Dave Stevens is an American illustrator and comic artist. He was most famous for creating the Rocketeer comic book. Ooh. And th- this is a pretty cool one. I like this one. I like the depiction of Hellboy. Yeah, it's actually pretty, it's pretty fun. The next one is Steve Purcell. Steve Purcell is an American cartoonist, animator, and game designer. He is most widely known as the creator of Salmon Max, an independent comic book series about a pair of anthropomorphic animal vigilantes and private investigators for which he received an Eisner award in 2007 and so this one has hellboy sitting under a tree with this like little girl i wonder who's that is that supposed to be like liz or is that supposed to be just a random character there's also like a little rat there so i'm wondering if those are references to
4: maybe some of his characters i figured it was a reference to people that we don't know but that rat fell asleep playing guitar
1: oh yeah he's got a little guitar there what do you think about the feet on this one danielle
2: Little devil they're like little cloven hooves. Yeah, they're super sharp.
1: The next one is William Stout. He's an American fantasy artist and illustrator with a specialization in paleontological art. His paintings have been shown in over 70 exhibitions, including 12 one man shows. He's worked over 30 feature films, doing everything from storyboard art to production design. And so, this is a really cool one. I think there's a lot of cool detail in this one. It's got Hellboy standing in front of this giant monster. And there's like someone looking at a map for Antarctica or something. It's just got a lot of little details in there. It's kind of a cool one, yeah.
4: I don't think his map's going to help him because he's looking at the wrong side.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, But I, I like all the detail in this one. This one's very... Uh, you can just see there's tons of little detail hash marks throughout this. The next one is Leno Francis Yu. I love him. He's a Filipino comic book artist. He began working for the American market through Wildstorm Productions In an interview published in Marvel Daily Bugle Newsletter, he described his style as dynamic pseudo-realism. And so I first saw his work in the New Avengers and Civil War comics. He does a great job. I would love to see him do more Hellboy or the BPRD
4: stuff. I feel like this isn't that representational of his current style. Right. But I would love to see him in his current style do Hellboy.
1: Yeah, I think this is more probably early stuff. The next pinup is Phil Noto. He's an American painter and comic book artist who is known for his work on such titles as Jonah Hex, X-23, Uncanny X-Force, and most recently Black Widow. His work on the Infinite Horizon with Jerry Duggan earned him an Eisner nomination for Best New Series. I love Phil Noto. I love his art style. And I really like this cover. I would love to see Phil Noto just do anything within the
4: canonverse. It would be awesome. I didn't notice this until just now. It's got the lobster symbol there
1: yeah yeah very cool the next one is Gary Fields with Michelle Madsen he's a freelance comic artist and he's done work for Super Mario and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics and you can kind of see that cartoony art style here I like these monsters that he's fighting what do you think of these monsters (laughs) Uh, but but I I can see Hellboy fighting monsters like these but this would this is just like a cartoonish interpretation of it you know what I mean type of deal anyway I, I enjoy that yeah that, that green dog looks like
4: a uh, Hanna-Barbera
1: dog. Yeah, it does. <laughs> then we have J.H. Williams III. He did the Love is Scarier Than Death story that we read on Weird Tales Part 2. And this is the cover for that issue, I believe.
4: Oh, this is a cover? I thought this was like a rejected page. The artwork's great. I don't really like it as a cover.
1: Yeah. The next one is Rick Cortez with Anjin. Rick Cortez is a visual effects artist and illustrator from Los Angeles. And Anjan Enhut is a designer working in games, comics, films, print, and interactive media.
4: Oh, I like this one.
1: Cool, yeah. It's got Hellboy after he's, like, slaughtered some sort of dragon thing or something like that. The next one is Galen Showman. We've mostly seen him do coloring and lettering, and so here we see his art style. He's an illustrator of comics and children's books, and the colors are by Michelle Madsen. And this one's, like, a little cutesy hellboy and rasputin type of thing
4: oh yeah this is great this would be this us be cool on a t-shirt
1: yeah yeah that would make a good t-shirt the next one is ben templesmith he's an australian comic book artist best known for his work in the american comic book industry most notably image comics series fell with writer warren ellis and idw's 30 days of night with steve niles Ooh. yeah and so it's got that kind of goth kind of uh horror feel on this one
4: Yeah, this one's pretty cool. That
1: gun is fucking huge. (laughs) Yeah. Our next one is Frank Cho with Dave Stewart, and we talked about Frank Cho. He's a Korean-American comic strip and comic book writer known for his series Liberty Meadows, as well as such books as Shauna the She-Devil, Mighty Avengers, and Hulk for Marvel Comics, and Jungle Girl for Dynamite Entertainment.
4: Yeah, we, we, we already discussed Frank Chill. Yeah,
1: we talked about him extensively earlier. The next one is Michael William Kaluta. He's an American comic book artist, best known for his acclaimed 1970 adaptation of the pulp magazine Hero the Shadow with writer Dennis O'Neill. I guess this is like this old pulp style. You know, there's a lot of detail in like the planes and stuff like that. Um, Hellboy looks kind of weird, though. He's kind of chunky in there, right? Roasting hot dogs with a bunch of little devils. And our next one is Lee Bermejo with Dave Stewart. Lee Bermejo is an American comic book writer and artist whose published work includes interior illustrations and cover art. He's best known for his collaborations with writer Brian Azzarello, including Lex Luthor Man of Steel, the Joker graphic novel Batman Damned, and Before Watchmen Rorschach.
4: There was a time when
1: we talked about Bermejo was supposed to do Darkness Calls and some of the stuff that Fregredo did. I
4: was about to ask, isn't he the one who started Darkness
1: Well? Yeah, he did do a couple pages and so here he's colored by Dave Stewart so this is kind of like a what might have been, right? If he would have done it, this might have been what those stories might have looked like which is pretty cool, you know? It would be good to have him come back and do something eventually for the canon verse.
4: I like his art style. He, he does a good Hellboy.
1: And then lastly, we have Scott Morse. He did that story Cool Your Head, the one where Hellboy was hiking through the Yosemite National Park and we just have Hellboy here smoking a pipe and the little skulls around him in front of a tombstone classic hellboy yeah it's pretty cool
4: yeah this is pretty cool i would like this as a poster or a
1: t-shirt what how about both sure why not (laughs) all right excellent yeah we've made it through the weird tales guys are you feeling weird
4: uh this definitely was weird (laughs) yeah
1: so i hope you guys enjoyed these weird tales episodes I wanted to make sure we went through that, and so let us know what you thought of these last uh, set of comics, and what you thought of the Weird Tales as a whole. Let us know if you enjoyed any of the pinups that were in the back. And next week, we'll be getting back to our Canonverse stories, and so that'll be really exciting. We'll be talking to all of our friends again, and now Aubrey's going to say all
4: the things. All right, everybody. Just like John says, we made it through the Weird Tales. We were all weird, and you came along with us let us know your thoughts. Tell us what you thought of these weird tales. Uh, you can send us a hey, you weird guys at hellboybookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find all of our resources on our Facebook About section and our Podbean website. As always, a special thanks to Paul from Hahn for the lovely music. You know we love it. Always a thank you to Mark Tweedell for helping with the reading order and slugging in this weird stuff. Thanks to Matt for... Giving us that intro. Oh yeah, uh, that was great. It was great to hear from you again. We miss you and we can't wait to get you back on the show. Yeah. And always a thank you to John for all the hard work and the research and the editing. He's got his work cut out for him on this episode. You won't know that, but we do. <laughs> so thank you, John. You're the rock star. And Danielle's also a rock star. <laughs> Danielle's an actual <laughs> rock star. No. You guys should check out their Backyard Concert. Only beef. <laughs> YouTube.com. backyard. Something or other. <laughs> I don't remember the whole thing. But look, only Beast YouTube, you'll find it. Uh, you can find the podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Next week, we're getting back into canon, and we're reading Hellboy in the BPRD 1953. We're reading The Phantom Hand, Raw Head and Bloody Bones, The Witch Tree, and The Kelpie. So, You know what to do. Dig out them floppies, pull the trade out of your bookcase, get the digital, social distance, and join us next week on the Hellboy Book Club Podcast.
1: Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm Danielle. And I'm Aubrey Lova
4: saying that's an large baby.
3: (laughs) Weird Tales. Weird. Weird Tales. It's Friday. It's Friday. Weird Tales.